What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl, Stephanie Hardy. If this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you for joining the vibe. And if this isn't your first time listening, thank you for continuing on this journey with me. So, of course, on this episode, I've got your news and gossip-ish. But also, this is an episode that's going to be used to talk more about um, the talent that's some of the talent that's in the Belladonna Division show Genesis. So today on my episode, I have an amazing conversation with the women superstars stars united world champion Brittany blake and we talk about so many different things including her wrestling journey and every other interest that she has outside of wrestling too and it's an amazing conversation and of course i'm telling you more about the event which takes place next saturday at the gaston mall here in gaston alabama so sit back relax and listen to this amazing episode of the hardy wrestling podcast All right, so I've got your news and gossipish here, and there's um, some pretty cool stuff um, going on um, in the news this week. It was relatively chill this week, not a whole lot of um, anger, um, except for maybe one specific person. But of course, I'm going to talk about that um, later. So um, first on the docket, we have the Vince McMahon Vince McMahon TV project that's in the works. So. It was revealed that a filmmaker's um, a studio called Filmmaker Studio sent out a casting call for a new television show focused on Vince McMahon, the WWE chairman. And according to WrestlingInc.com's Mark Middleton, the working title of the project is No Chance, The Vince McMahon Story and the Rise of the New Wrestling World Order. And it will be directed by Joseph Kruger. I think it's funny because I like the first title better because it, you know, because it makes reference to his theme song, which is so iconic, you know, at this point. Um, cause when you hear no, no chance, you, that's when you know Vince McMahon is coming out. So I think that's really cool. Team Virgo. Um, <laughs> so it was, the article also said that the casting call is asking only for interested parties to audition as the host of the show and the other details of regarding the show and its format are relatively sparse. And it's not a movie, but it's a review retrospective that will dig deep in learning not only about Vince McMahon's adversaries, but how he outsmarted them all in associating USA Pro Wrestling with the World Wrestling Federation. 
And the project, you know, may be a documentary or a documentary series that's focused on him purchasing WWE from his dad in 1982 and bringing it from a Northeastern regional promotion to a national and international power in sports entertainment. Um, so it looks like they're going to be trying, they're going to talk about his, you know, initial rise, you know, to becoming the promoter and the chairman that we know him as today. And I'm really interested in hearing this because I feel like there's so many stories that you hear about Vince McMahon all the time. And I'm wondering if the McMahon family, um, actually okayed for this to happen because something that I do find that happens a whole lot, even when people or like so certain celebrities pass away, you have so many people, you know, who will author, who will authorize, you know, a documentary or authorize a movie to be made but then the family itself or the estate itself doesn't say it's okay so I'm wondering if the family has okayed this so I mean either way it sounds interesting but I but I would feel a little bit more comfortable in knowing that maybe the family said oh well we're okay with this you know go ahead tell this story because Vince McMahon would be giving them the stories because he's of course is alive and of right mind um as far as we know so i think that would be cool to see because i do want to know you know what his journeys were because there's so many things that i've heard you know about him rising from various hardships and everything to becoming who he is now so um that would be cool also in the news we have paul Heyman, you know talking about how he doesn't want brock lesnar to face roman reigns and he also had more nice things to say about roman reigns and sort of like what his journey was to make the decision to be um roman reigns's counsel so paul Heyman addressed brock lesnar's um status in wwe during an interview with DAZN on thursday so when he was asked about the possibility of his former client returning to face his current client, Universal Champion Roman Reigns, he said, if Brock Lesnar were to return, you know, as a hypothetical, Brock Lesnar does what Brock Lesnar wants to do. How can you be cognizant of the fact that Brock Lesnar does not want to challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, or at least not yet, is because he hasn't done it. Because if Brock Lesnar wanted to do it, it would have happened already. And it hasn't happened already because he doesn't want to. So... Given what it looks like, it looks like um, Paul Heyman is basically saying that if Brock Lesnar wanted to challenge him, he would have already done it by now, which is true because something that a lot of wrestling fans sort of expect is that Brock Lesnar, you know, will pop up during like a big four pay-per-view. And in the past couple of months, we've had so many of our big four pay-per-views pass by and there was no Brock Lesnar sighting at all all like you thought he was gonna pop up at like survivor series you thought he could have popped up at at SummerSlam last year and he definitely didn't pop up during wrestlemania season this year either to try to start some mess or even beforehand because usually they use him to sort of you know pull in the casual fan demographic to sort of you know do that for wrestlemania but he hasn't so i think it's i actually think it's for the best because you know in turn you're creating you know more opportunity for paul Heyman to sort of do everything he can with roman reigns as the big bad um of the wwe division and i'm at well not the wwe division but the company itself because it's just like really like roman reigns he's just on a whole new level and he's you know doing this star making performance as the tribal chief and as the head of the table so i almost feel like brock lesnar coming back would sort of ruin that you know well not ruin it but just sort of put a damper on roman reigns being you know this big bad here so i keep talking about him like he's you know a super villain (laughs) in marvel like 
I did watch Age of Ultron last night, though, and saw Thanos. So that's kind of what I think of when I see Roman Reigns. He's just, he's WWE's Thanos. So, <laughs> yeah, so that was interesting. Plus, Paul Hamer also had more to say about his reluctance to manage after Brock Lesnar's run. So he said that he could not begin to convey how reluctant he was to ever do anything in this industry after the eight or 18 years that I put in with Brock Lesnar. He told Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated this. He said, look at our accomplishments, a 500 day run as champion, multiple world championships, the single biggest, most historic victory in sports entertainment history and conquering of the streak. There was very little chance of me ever returning on screen. But then he said when the opportunity came to serve as Roman Reigns' special counsel, he realized it was another different chance at chasing greatness. So he was quoted as saying, for me to pursue in front of the camera life after Brock Lesnar, the only lure that could seduce me to even attempting such an impossible goal was to do it with someone who would live their life in the pursuit of achieving that impossibility. And that's Roman Reigns. And that's why someone, that's why anyone, and that's why everyone should watch Roman Reigns. Every micro moment he's in the frame, you're witnessing the pursuit of the all-time greatest career in the annals of sports, in the annals of entertainment, and in the annals of sports entertainment. And we sort of see that his role, you know, with Roman Reigns is sort of a little bit different from his role with Brock Lesnar. Because it seemed like with Brock Lesnar, he was sort of being his talking piece. Um, <clears throat> he was sort of speaking for him in a sense, whereas now he's sort of just a special counsel and he's being led. It's not, it's not like Paul Heyman is leading, you know, Brock, it's, it's not like when Paul Heyman was leading Brock Lesnar. It seems like Roman Reigns is leading Paul Heyman, but Paul Heyman is such a good asset to have with that, that he makes it look more, he makes Roman Reigns look more and more fierce with him being led like that. And it is absolutely amazing so hey Paul Heyman is the GOAT and he's helping to lead Roman Reigns to be even more of a GOAT you know with this run so and especially after everything that happened last night on Smackdown which I'll talk more about in my bonus episode it was awesome (laughs) so you just can't beat that also in the news something that is completely red hot um that was red hot on social media Monday was the return of Eva Marie to the WWE with pink hair this time, not red hair. So we're doing all pink everything instead of all red everything. Um, and once she made her return, like when it when Raw came on, I was watching it with my boyfriend, and all of a sudden, you know, I see this girl, you know, with the silhouette in his car, and I'm thinking like it's a commercial for something, you know, like a car commercial or like a cologne commercial or something like that. But then Eva Marie pops up and I'm like, whoa, Eva Marie. And I said that out loud. And then all of a sudden she's talking, you know, and she's giving off the impression. And then they, you know, and then the announcers pop in and I'm just like, oh, okay. So this isn't just a regular commercial. This is a Monday Night Raw thing. Okay. So she makes her return, you know, in a couple of weeks. And I'm just like, man, wow. Like I was genuinely surprised at that because There have been all kinds of rumors saying that she could be coming back, but nothing was really full on confirmed or denied. So it's just like, you know, I was just kind of like, okay, well, we just wait and see. But if she doesn't pop up, then it's whatever. But she did pop up and it's just like, whoa, you know, I was just really shocked, you know, but everybody wasn't happy about that. And when I say everybody, I mean 
everybody <laughs> like I was live tweeting and I was just like oh people are pissed people are pissed <laughs> so from what it seems like is that a lot of fans have take issue with Eva Marie being hired in the midst and in the wake of WWE firing so many other female talent that they deem a little bit more worthy of having a place in WWE like the Iconics and like Mickey James and like Chelsea Green. And they're not completely wrong because when you have all of those talented women who were offering something, you know, a little bit different, it's like, you know, why would you, you know, take all of these talented women away and then seemingly put on a woman who never really wrestled a match in WWE when she was there the first time? She didn't because she was sort of in that middle ground between them transitioning out of the diva era into the women's evolution era. So everything that she did was to garner heat. And that's smart, you know, because when you when you're creating a show, you want, you know, your baby face, you want your faces, but then you also want your heels too. And even Marie definitely was a beautiful woman who never really did you know fight and then before she really had a chance to try to you know do more you know with her fighting you know she left the company or they released her or whatever and now she's back and a lot of people are wondering what she's gonna do now I did read some reports saying that she had been training at the performance center you know to you know get a little bit better over the past couple of months so of course you know as she does you know transition into the women's division on raw we'll see more of what she has been doing but a lot of people were just really mad and did not want to see her there so and one of the people who did react to it on social media was mickey james and she was discussing the topic on an appearance on renee young's podcast called oral sessions and she said um Honestly, I think it's incredible that she's been able to step away and still remain relevant, rebrand herself and almost excel outside. Not everybody does that. I don't think her wrestling ability was ever her strength. I know she has been down at NXT working on stuff, so I don't know. I don't think the wrestling bit was ever her thing. I feel there's always been, even going back to old school wrestling, that there's a role for everybody. And not everybody has to be a five-star wrestler or whatever and have dream matches. That doesn't have to be a thing if their character is strong and they can sell tickets, get ratings. I guess it works. So, basically, she also went on to say that it's ironic because the to the fans they go well you just had these all these budget cuts you let all these people go and you debut somebody else but they always debut new talent after wrestlemania as well and then she also proceeded to praise eva maria a whole lot more um by saying she's beautiful and stunning and i do have mad respect in the sense that she has a million followers and has been able to rebrand herself and really do a whole other thing outside of wrestling once she left me being an entrepreneur and i'm always looking at stuff i completely respect that side of her if she can capitalize on all this heat and just kind of go yes yeah, so that's where the real everybody will hate her and it'll be great for her so it seems like Mickey James doesn't have anything negative to say about Eva Marie itself, but then ventured to say that maybe wrestling wasn't her, you know, entire, wasn't one of her strengths. But then again, the standard for wrestling can't necessarily be so high to the point that we expect so many of our women's wrestlers or so many wrestlers as a whole to just be great all the time and be and have all these five star matches because all of these women don't have those abilities. And that's not dissing them, but that's just real. You know, some of these women, you know, came through a different system and a different background than just the independence, you know, and stuff like that. So 
we can't just expect, you know, so much greatness from the women, you know, in terms of having a five star matches all the time, you know, greatness all the time, blah, 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 because I'm pretty sure there are some male wrestlers who could go in and have less than a five star match, but we wouldn't necessarily say anything about that. So why can't the women do the same? And we can't just, you know, we we can't always necessarily expect, you know, these type of five star matches from the women, you know, just as the same thing as we wouldn't expect five star matches from the men all the time either. Like, let them chill out sometimes and let women be able to do different things and let them, you know, go towards what their um, abilities are and what their niches are and let them adapt to that. But at the same time, when it comes to Eve Marie, I also found out some information about her that was kind of um, problematic for me as a black as a black woman, um, I found out that she may have said some unsavory things about Colin Kaepernick taking a knee to protest, um, police brutality. And that of course makes me feel some type of way. Cause I'm just like, ma'am, like what's the issue with that? Like, why is that a problem for you? I mean, uh, it was just kind of, it was a whole lot to deal with in terms of social media. And I'm just like, I am, you know, it sort of makes me look at her in a whole new way because at first I was just sort of looking at her as an athlete, but now I'm looking at her as a woman and as a person like, oh, so you don't think that, you know, this protesting was necessary. Okay, ma'am. Mm. But that's all I'm going to say about that because I won't go into that any more than I already have. Um, also, finally in the news, we have... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 probably being the last time we'll see Dave Batista's role as Drax. So Batista told um, Digital Spy in an interview that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is a Marvel movie that's set to come out within the next few years because they did do a whole um, release and a whole trailer going over all the movies and series that the, that's set to be released within the next couple of years. Oh my God, it's amazing. Um, so that movie is part of that, you know, is a part of that cluster of movies. And he said that Drax the Destroyer might be the last time we see him um, in volume three. Um, he stayed quiet. Batista has stayed quiet on what the plot details are, but he has yet to see what the latest script contains. And he's, he's stated as saying, I don't know what the script of the third movie is, to be honest with you. There was a script years ago that obviously is going to have, is going to have to change because the whole direction of the Marvel universe has changed. Um, but then he also said that there were talks for a while about a Drax and Mantis film. And it was, and it was really because it was James Gunn's idea. He really wanted to do a Drax and Mantis film he laid it out to me I thought it was such a brilliant idea but I haven't heard any follow-up from the studio I don't think they're very interested or it doesn't fit into the way they've mapped out um but other than that no I mean as far as my obligations I've got Guardians 3 and that's probably going to be the end of Drax so um but then they also asked him if it was possible it would be for a TV series. But then he said there's not a chance that he would reprise the role in that format for a TV show. So a part of me is a little bit sad that after volume three, that would be it. Because Drax's character is so funny. Like, he's super funny. And I actually need to go back and actually watch all of the rest of the movies. You know, just to re 
just to basically remind myself of how funny you know Drax was and is because I know when I went to see Infinity War like his whole why is Gamora thing just made me laugh so hard that I couldn't even breathe um but I don't talk about that movie that much because that was a very traumatizing experience but (laughs) um Batista is you know a pretty wanted man in terms of action movies so I'm pretty sure he'll have other stuff to do in terms of you know being an action star so I'm not necessarily worried about him you know falling off or whatever once he does leave the Marvel Cinematic Universe um so but sometimes you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe can be very all-encompassing so we'll see how that goes plus I'm also waiting for him to get put into the Hall of Fame when, when there's an audience there because he was supposed to go in this year but it didn't happen so you know anytime there's more Batista you can't go wrong with that so that's it for news and gossipish, and now we're gonna go into my amazing talk with Brittany Blake. Special guest with me today. Um, she is the reigning WSU world champion, and I get to um, be on the same show as her next weekend at the Belladonna Division Show Genesis. This is Brittany Blake. Brittany, how are you, my dear? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. All right. So I'm going to start the interview um, by asking the question I ask all of my guests, and that's when did you fall in love with wrestling? I don't know the exact date. It was definitely like attitude era timing. Um, I want to say between like 97, 98-ish. But basically, uh, my dad used to put on wrestling when uh, me and my brother were kids and our parents were divorced so he had us for Sundays and Mondays Mm -hmm. so we were always either watching wrestling on Sunday nights or Monday nights and we kind of fell in love with it back then but for me the moment I fell in love with it was the day that Lita debuted that was the moment I was like I want to do this oh cool it's so amazing you mentioned Lita like she's one of the greats right and I feel like a lot of people who watched wrestling or became a women's wrestler you know during um the at or saw the attitude era but then wanted to go forth and pursue wrestling as a woman it's like Lita is definitely one of the main people that people mention so that's really cool so the attitude era is kind of when I started watching wrestling myself as well um right in the heat of the Monday Night Wars so um that's kind of when I sort of got into it and my dad actually watched wrestling with me too so it's pretty interesting how we have that in common there I love that yeah so when exactly did you know that you wanted to pursue it as a career um well I would say since I was you know in middle school um I started dressing like Lita but it was one of those what do you want to be when you grow up and I would say I want to be a diva um but I didn't really pursue it until a couple quite a few years later I honestly I lived under a rock I didn't know indie wrestling existed until 2012. I was working at a comic book convention and a friend of mine had offered to take me to a wrestling show that was happening a few blocks away and it ended up being a Chikara show. And I was like, I had no idea this was so close to where I lived, which was in Jersey at the time. Mm-hmm. And after that day, so that was May of or April or May of 2012 and I started looking into wrestling schools I started saving up and I started training a couple months later so the, it was it was that show and ironically I actually met Lita that day so I was working at the convention I was on my break and I went over to her table and I introduced myself and I met her I got a picture with her 
and I met her, I met Paul Bearer, and then I went to my first indie show, and then I fell in love with indie wrestling, like, that same day. It was a very good, like, day for wrestling for me. Oh, that's amazing that you met her, too, like, right on that day in which you started, and Paul Bearer? That's and really Paul Bearer, yeah. Too. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I was just, I watched a documentary about him that they did during the whole 30 Days of the Undertaker thing that they did on the network before it moved to Peacock. And Uh I learned so much about him. And it's so funny. Um, He's actually from Alabama. And yeah, and right around the time I was watching it, it was when I found out that he was a funeral director and stuff, which is, Mm -hmm. I was weirdly enough working at a cemetery office, you know, while I was watching this. So it was just kind of amazing how with my podcast and me sort of getting into the wrestling business itself for right now, um, because I'm commentating next weekend and then, you know, watching him, you know, do it while also working a regular job, which is kind of like, wow, it's like you never truly know what you have in common with certain people. But I think it's so great that you met Lita and was able to do that. I feel like that's almost like it was meant to be and that was full circle for you. I feel the same way and it's so crazy too because a couple years ago um, my fiance he got to tag with her at an indie show I was so jealous I'm just like watching them call their match like I want to be a part of this but I will live vicariously through him (laughs) oh cool so your partner's a wrestler as well he is yes amazing I love love and wrestling it's amazing you too (laughs) okay so how exactly did you like how exactly did you pursue training once you decided to go all the way in on wrestling yeah, so I was looking into different schools in the area, and originally I was trying to find, because I didn't really know how wrestling schools worked. I didn't have an in, I didn't have anyone like saying, oh, you should go here, you should go there. So originally I was trying to find an all-girls school or something, because I didn't know I could train with guys, um, and I couldn't find that. At one point, I, I think I found it was like the old like Ring of Honor Sparkle something, and it, was like, it wasn't a, a real thing anymore. Um, and then it came down to Chikara and CZW. And because I had gone to the Chikara show, I was like, oh, I'm going to go here. Mm-hmm. And um, it just it just one of those things that didn't really mesh for me. Um, I went for maybe a month or two there and it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like I was learning. It didn't feel like um, they saw any potential in me. Uh, so I went to CZW and also just like the uh, I, I put like when I do something I do 110% at Jakarta at the time I don't know what their training's like actually I don't think they train at all now but like at, I don't know if it ever changed but it was like a once a week thing and I need it more than once a week in the ring and at CW I could do four times a week um, and it's funny because uh, at both schools uh, Drew Gulak was one of the trainers so uh, I went from Jakarta to CW and he was there at both schools and I was like Oh no, and I thought I thought he hated me because I jumped ship essentially. Um, but he I mean he was he was real tough on me, but um but he's you know, has a lot to do with how I am in the ring today and who I am today and um he was one of the people that, that really trained me. So going to CZW and getting to get in the ring four times a week from six o'clock at night until who knows some nights I would be there until midnight. Um so getting getting that much ring time I think really was what helped me the most. Wow. So it seems that you had a very dedicated, you know, mindset in terms of it. Like you did not stop. So you were kind of like the first one there and the last one out. 
Absolutely. And I, I, I was so dedicated. I, um, a couple months into it, I broke my leg at training mm. and I showed up the very next day. I was still showing up every single day, even though I couldn't get in the ring. I, I was still there every day, just watching, trying to learn as much as I could doing, uh, when I was kind of getting better, I was starting, starting to do like things on one leg, just, just to get into the ring. I was, you know, doing rolls on one leg. I was doing like squats and I was doing as much as I possibly could on one leg. I did not want people to think I was going to quit because I broke my leg that to me that wasn't that wasn't a reason to quit even though m- any other sane person would probably probably be like yeah you know what maybe maybe I shouldn't uh, keep doing this yeah a lot of people probably would have given up but just but that's just a testament to your willpower and your determination to be you know to be the best wrestler you wanted to be at that time so that's really you know admirable that you did that because I know I would have gave up I can't <laughs> pain like I hate pain, so if it was me, I'd be like, no. <laughs> that was the worst pain. And I've went ever home. Been. <laughs> I I came home from that, so like I went to the hospital that night to see if it was actually broken, and it was. And I came home on crutches, and my mom goes, "So I guess you're done, huh?" And I was like, crutching like over my dead body. I'm like crutching past her, like, uh-uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned that you did training with um, Drew Gulak, who is on Mm -hmm. WWE TV, um, and actually was on TV last night. Um, He got beat by Angel Garza. Not his best moment. (laughs) Yeah, he got beat by Angel Garza last night and got a rose up his butt, so uh, Mm -hmm. that was funny. Um, But you mentioned how he was one of your trainers, so which one... Um, like which one of his lessons have you applied the most um, in your career? Uh, it, this might sound weird considering you know he's known for like his technical ability and like I did learn a lot of technical things from him. But mm-hmm. the biggest thing that Drew has done for me is in psychologically, um, he doesn't you know tell you what you want to hear and he doesn't even he won't even give you necessarily like an answer like if you ask what did I do wrong he'll be like well what do you think you did wrong and they'll kind of he'll kind of pick apart things so he he made me look at things differently he made me you know really analyze everything that I do Mm -hmm. um and I think that has been you know something that I didn't expect in training and I feel like a lot of people might not get that they might just go and you know do the work he's always he's always uh getting out of my comfort zone and I mean it's crazy because I mean he doesn't have to do it I mean he's been you know on the main roster for a quite a few years now he doesn't have to help me still he's still sending me homework to do and hey try this at training try this try this and then like you know he's still you know my trainer at the end of the day you know yeah and it's so good to hear that he's actually that hands-on with you even still now because you would think you know from mainstream exposure that they wouldn't have time for that Mm -hmm. kind of thing but just to see that he's that hands-on with you and then so many other wrestlers because he um if I'm not mistaken helped train Bad Bunny if I'm not mistaken I, um, that's what I heard as well. I, I'm not, I'm, I, was just, I didn't ask for him that, but I know that's what I heard. And it's not just me. I know other people that I came up with, he, you know, that he helped train. He still is doing the same thing, like giving them homework, asking them, hey, what are you doing on this day? And how many shows are you, right? He's, he's always staying on us. So, I mean, that's to me, dedication. Yeah, that's amazing. And he's an amazing technical wrestler. I've enjoyed, like, I enjoyed almost every match he had. Definitely last year with um, Daniel Bryan, like, who was, like, another amazing technical wrestler. That was a great match. I definitely enjoy him um, as a wrestler, and I have now more greater respect for him even as a trainer now. Mm -hmm. Do you still find time to practice your craft? Of course, I know it's been rough with the pandemic and everything, but, you know, do you still find time to practice when you can outside of your own schedule? Of wrestling yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. It's been harder because um, originally I'm from Jersey. I used to live five minutes from the school, so it was so easy before. And then I moved down to Maryland, which is where my partner lives. Um, and it, it's great having a partner that is a wrestler because even when we can't get to the ring, we just moved into a new apartment, which is way bigger than our last place. So we have all this floor space. I'm like, hey, you want to try this out? Like the other night I got an idea for a match. I was like, hey, can you... Uh, be a guinea pig for me real quick so we do we've been getting to the school more now that um you know vaccines are more of a thing and covid's better but for a while for the last year up until about a month ago we would go to, to the wrestling school by ourselves and just just the two of us work on stuff because we didn't want to risk a group setting you know what i mean mm-hmm. but i mean i always find a way to get in a ring <laughs> Well, that's cool. That's really cool to hear. And then the fact that your partner also helps you, you know, continue to try to get better. And the both of you have tried to practice even in this difficult time is really amazing. Mm -hmm. I always believe that a partner isn't a partner until they help you, unless they're helping you get better in some way, shape or form. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good to hear that you have that type of partner and the fact that you're still making time for it, even in the midst of this difficult time. So I want to ask you, how has the pandemic um, affected your career? Um, in terms of, you know, touring or doing shows or whatnot, and how have you been able to manage with that? It's been hard. It's been a roller coaster. Um, up and so up until, uh, I guess October. So from March until October of last year, I didn't wrestle at all. I had my last match was the middle of March against Tasha Steeles and it was, there's no crowd. And I, we didn't know how long that was going to be a regular thing. And then it was like two days later, everything got shut down. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do anything until October and I had gotten asked about a few bookings, especially like outdoor ones, but I didn't feel comfortable. Um, I didn't know. I, I didn't know how things were going to progress. Um, and then I didn't take a booking again until October, which was I did Shimmer for the collective. Um, and I'm glad I did it. And, you know, they were as safe as they could be. Everyone had to, you know, take a test afterwards. And you know, thankfully, mine came back negative. But, but it was to me a little concerning just seeing so many people. Even even the space like, spaced out so many people um, in the locker rooms, and I'm like, yeah, I just I don't feel comfortable. Um, so now that like vaccines are more of a thing and things are getting a little bit safer, I feel more comfortable taking bookings again. Like I didn't, I just I just took the Belladonna booking um, like two weeks ago, and that's my first booking back. So it's been it's been hard, and it's been weird too because when the pandemic happened, I kind of almost wanted to mentally check out and give myself a mental break from wrestling because wrestling is tough not just on your body but mentally it can be really hard sometimes and I really took a long mental break when that everything was happening I I didn't I didn't really want to be on social media that much I really didn't want to I didn't really want to connect with it just because I needed I needed a reset so when I came back mentally even though I wasn't back physically yet it was still a weird transition because everyone was still you know going 110% on Twitter and Instagram and I'm like I needed that break I needed that like mental reset Mm -hmm. but now I think you know I've had plenty of time mentally physically I'm just like itching to get back in I imagine you would be because it's just to go all this time not doing something that you've that has been a part of you for so long you know and for Mm -hmm. it to sort of just come to a stop all of a sudden had to be like the scariest thing on the planet and then having to and then you having to even slow down is even a good thing because when we get on social media and I can even speak to this as a podcaster you you see everybody else and all of your friends posting and doing stuff and getting stuff out there and you feel like you're missing out 
and it's yeah. just like but you really have to take yourself out of it sometimes because otherwise it will swallow you whole and mm-hmm. you won't have anything else left and then you'll look up and then you know you feel like you've missed a whole lot you know in your own life outside of that so I definitely commend you for that and for bouncing back um with this show that's coming up which we will get into a little bit later um so how has the culture of independent wrestling you know treated you you know as you've evolved that's that's a question um it's again it's been a roller coaster I mean especially my first you know two years all I did was you know eat breathe sleep wrestling at the time I didn't have um, a job I was just doing training I was going to college um so I was just so engulfed in it and sometimes kind of blinded in ways a lot of red flags you don't see until you know you're more experienced so it was kind of like a honeymoon phase in the beginning and you you couldn't see anything wrong and then you know one day someone like rips off the band-aid and it's like oh there's all this bad shit too I don't know if I can curse on here I'm sorry no it's okay (laughs) um there's all this bad stuff too so then it kind of became a way of like navigating the drama and you know trying to weed out the good people from the bad people from the toxic people people who are just trying to use you and so it became like a honeymoon phase into like more of a learning phase. And again, having a partner, um, my fiance has been in the business 15 or if not longer years. So, I mean, having someone genuinely look out for me, you know, that's a plus too. And having someone, you know, saying, hey, watch out for that red flag. And hey, just be careful with this, you know, it, it helps having someone do that. So I feel like, you know, and I've been more selective with like certain bookings and like try not to get taken advantage of. So that's another thing I've tried to navigate over the years. So I'm at the point now where it's like a quality over quantity point in wrestling. Because before I would just jump at every little opportunity. Like, yeah, I'll do this and this and this. And then it's like, you're getting taken advantage of. So I feel like right before the pandemic, I was in a good place. I was taking bookings I genuinely wanted to do. I was working in really good places. So I think I'm going to continue that once wrestling starts up again. The bookings I'm taking are places I genuinely want to work with women I really want to work with so I think right now we're just going back to that path of like you know quality over quantity that's a really good um evolution there it's sort of like you started off you know and as with people you know when you start off with a thing you think it's the most amazing thing in the world and then and then something you know pops up to sort of make you realize okay you know to sort of test you to make mm-hmm. you see you know what to make you think about whether or not this is really you know for you or if you can take the hard times and it seems like you have a good mind and I have and you have a sense of discernment in knowing what you do and what you don't necessarily want to do um mm-hmm. because a lot of people because I I know I've been told a lot of times that there are some people in the business who can mean you really good but then there are also you have to watch out for those who you know have a little bit of a front but then deep down inside they could you know have ulterior motives mm-hmm. so it's good to just to hear that you've actually you know navigated that and also in terms of you know independent wrestling you know have you developed a fan base because I want because I love hearing about um wrestlers and the type of fans that they've you know experienced so have you had a fan base you're building one? yeah yeah I mean there's always gonna be the weirdos that are you know asking super inappropriate questions I feel like that just that just comes with the territory but the people that I consider like my core fan base are just like nerds who love wrestling because before wrestling I was a cosplayer um so some of them kind of followed me into the wrestling realm so my favorite fans are the ones I can kind of like nerd out with too we can talk about wrestling we can talk about video games anime um so that's that's really funny my my favorite thing ever is 
uh, doing cosplay wrestling. Mm -hmm. And those are like the best fans because they love everything you do. There are some fans where they might like you in the sense of they, they follow you on social media, but then in the ring, they either boo you and they're not supposed to be booing you or they're not, they think <laughs> you should be doing more stuff. Like, especially like places and like working in Philly and, and parts of Jersey, they, that can be a really tough crowd sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so places like doing cosplay wrestling, they're the, the nicest, easiest crowd. They just, they cheer everything. Everything is like, the, like they saw wrestling for the first time. So th those are my favorite fans, but as a whole, like, I just, I love my fan base there. They're super supportive and, you know, I love, I love, uh, you know, being nerdy with people, so. So you mentioned cosplay wrestling. Is that like um, a different type of wrestling where you dress up as different characters or, or something yeah. like that? Like, it's like yeah. a combination of the two? Yeah, so everyone's trained and everything. It's not like a bunch of backyard, at least the two places I work. I'm sure there are some backyarders, but um, there's two places in particular I've worked. One is actually called Cosplay Pro Wrestling. Um, and there are a lot of the local guys in like the, the Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area. Mm -hmm. um, and I love working. It's just so much fun. Like uh, we've worked for Anime Next. We've done um, CPAC. We've done there's, uh, too many games. There's a bunch of like that North, Northeast area uh, conventions that they work. And then there's another company called FSDW. And they work with a lot of like the super cons and everything. Um, and I feel like they have kind of more of a, I guess a higher budget cause they, they'll bring in like, uh, like names from the convention and everything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's both are so fun. Like, I don't think I have a, a preference, like that's all cosplay wrestling to me, but yeah, they basically dress up as character. I've been Sailor Jupiter. I've been Blake from Ruby. Um, I've been Android 18, Wii Fit Trainer. I've been a ton of characters and sometimes I'll do multiple characters on one show. Mm -hmm. I just, I love it. It's my favorite thing ever. That is so cool. Cause I know when I watch wrestling on television, like I absolutely love it when people get their gear made um, to look like a specific character or mm -hmm. to, to make it look like a cartoon character or something like that. Like I'll never forget how Alexa Bliss came out and she had Buzz Lightyear gear. And yeah, that was just the yeah. cutest thing to me because I love Disney and she does too. So it's just kind of like, and then you have Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae, you know, they'll come out as different characters. One time he was Iron Man, another time he was Wolverine. Like, I just love stuff like that. So just me to too. know, just to know that there's a, there's wrestling federations that have cosplay in it too. That's amazing. That's, and they're fun. Yeah. I've only done cosplay maybe twice. Like I was um captain marvel um for a comic-con here in alabama once you are would be such a good captain marvel too oh really oh that mm -hmm. makes me feel so good inside thank you <laughs> you're welcome oh man but yeah and then i was wonder woman 1984 with a golden suit for halloween oh, last year awesome. so that was fun that was um, so much fun yeah oh my gosh so um you mentioned um behind the scenes um when we had talked a little bit before that you had traveled internationally so where has been where's been some of your favorite places to wrestle and go outside the united states so the current it's a weird thing so i, I wrestled in canada and i actually really like working in canada i've only really been in like the eastern part i think it was i wasn't in toronto it was right outside toronto um, that was fun. And then it's, it's funny because I've actually, I've been to Japan. I haven't wrestled there, but I wrestled for Stardom and Marvelous in the States. So I've worked for Japanese companies in the States, but I've been to Japan. Um, so, I mean, honestly, if I could wrestle in Japan, that would be, that. that's always been like my biggest 
dream and like the top of my list is wrestling in Japan. Um, and then I also would love to like wrestle in Europe, but like Japan is like top tier. But I'm, I I always want to travel. Like I've always wanted to travel and wrestle across the whole world. But right now, um, I've only wrestled in the states and then in Canada. Okay. And it seems like Canada seems like one of those great wrestling um, nations to go to because you know they have yeah. so many legends from there. So I can imagine yeah. their wrestling is like a huge deal up there. I've never been to Canada, but I would love to go at some point. It would be cool. Um, it's, it's it's really pretty up there. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear. Everyone's so nice. Yeah, that's what I hear. So maybe one day I'll get a chance to go. That'd be good. Yeah. So right now you are the reigning women superstars United World Champion. And I imagine that has to be a really good feeling. So, um, and you defeated Chris Statlander for that title? I did. Okay. So I was exposed to her via AEW. Um, okay. That was the first time I had ever seen her. So I thought that her character was really cool too, in terms of how she wrestles. So what was it like, you know, going into that match and, you know, winning that championship and how you able to basically, you know, keep it for that long? Yeah, I, there's so many layers to winning that title at that show in particular. Um, working with Chris was so much fun. I've been looking forward to working with her for so long at that point. There were a couple other like WSU shows that we kept missing each other. It was I couldn't be at a show and then she couldn't be at a show. We kept missing each other. And I was like, man, I really want to work with her. We're so different in like um, characters and personality and size. Like I can do a bunch of my high flying stuff and you know, she would be able to base for everything. Um, so for me, so I, I came from CZW and my first time in a ring was at WSU. It was a, a battle royal in 2013. And it's funny too, because I used to travel on the road a lot. And back when Lufisto was the women's champion, they had gotten a new belt. And I was the one carrying that new belt to like, you know, while we were traveling. So I was technically the first woman to hold that belt. And I remember uh, that, that night that I, I was uh, transporting it, I took it out of the bag and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I'm never gonna have this belt. Like I'm, this this is not obtainable for me. Um, and I was like, that's, that was in 2014. I just, I was so down on myself. And I was, I was wrestling Lufista that weekend as well. And I, that was at that point, the biggest match I ever had. And I was so looking forward to it. She was so wonderful. Um, but I just, I, I didn't have the confidence in myself that I would ever be the world champion for WSU. Uh, I thought maybe at most the spirit, maybe the tag, but I never thought I'd be the world champion. So fast forward um, to when they relaunched, they had like new writers, new bookers and all that stuff. Um, And I slowly started like making my way up the ranks. And then uh, because like I said, me and Chris kept missing each other at the shows. The only show that would have worked for both of us was the CZW um, Cage of Death show. Mm -hmm. And so obviously I'm I'm from CZW. So that was cool and I actually made my when I had debut for CZW uh, way back when it was at Cage of Death so to me the whole thing felt full circle I won you know the WCU World Championship at Cage of Death where I made my CZW debut a few years before so the whole thing felt very like full circle to me it was very emotional um, and of course uh, we, the, the belt actually wasn't there when I won it so like it was a little <laughs> anticlimactic climactic, but Yeah, it was like in, they were sending it back from like, it was coming from like Mexico or somewhere and they didn't have the belt in hand when I won it. So like, I'm just like holding up this like imaginary belt. Like I'll Photoshop it in later. It's fine. (laughs) 
Well, that's a pretty funny story to hear the fact that it wasn't actually there because, you know, everybody has their moment with the title, you know, after they win it. It's like, oh, my God, I won the title. And they can either be really excited, swinging around like Seth Rollins or cry or, you know, lift it in the air and all that. But you didn't have that. You just you had to wait. (laughs) I feel like if I did have it, I think I would have cried. I honestly feel like I might have cried if I had it in my hand. So I guess it's good because I don't like to cry in public. So like, especially because I wear so much like dark makeup, I just, it would just, it would just be like black mascara running down my face. Yeah. See, I I just love watching people win titles. Like that's one of my, I didn't realize that was something I really loved until I watched Paige win the the Divas title. Oh my God. Like when she debuted, oh my God, when she debuted and beat AJ Lee and then they showed the backstage reaction and she was crying and I just started crying and I kept watching it back over and over again. And that's when I realized I really love watching footage like that. (laughs) I I cried when that happened. Well, I mean, uh, uh, the the Sasha Bianca one. Oh yes, definitely. I cried, like done. (laughs) Oh my God, me too. That match meant the world to me. Um, Of course, you know, personally as a black woman and then just seeing, you know, Bianca rise you know, to where she is now, you know, from where she started, you know, she didn't start off wanting to be a wrestler or through the indies like a lot of people. So to see her get to that point after only having so many years experience and then have all this talent. But she did the against, work, you know? Yeah, she put in the work. And then to go up against someone like Sasha Banks, who is, in my opinion, the greatest female wrestler of all time. It's just, mm-hmm. it was just an incredible thing. And to see her win and to see her celebrate with her husband, too, who's just that melted my heart <laughs> oh god it was so amazing like oh my god and then he was uh, holding her up on his shoulders and it reminded me so much of randy uh-huh. Hol- randy holding up miss elizabeth and it was just like ah, mm-hmm. this is so cool but yeah i, I, I know <laughs> it, it was so funny um so who has been your favorite opponent so far and do you have any dream opponents oh okay man there's so many opponents that i love working with i know as far as dream opponents go i literally just made a list the other day um and i know the top people in that list are like laney luck and masha um oh my god i'm gonna blank out on names but as far as um favorite opponents go um zoe sky and she's one of my favorite opponents we always have really good matches um, and they're always different too. Like there, there are people who I wrestle and it's like, we have good matches, but it's kind of the same thing every time. Another person who was not my favorite opponent at first, but became my favorite opponent. Um, and I'm very bummed that I don't get to wrestle her anymore is Penelope Ford. Mm-hmm. We came up kind of together. I was a couple months ahead of her. Um, and she was one of those people who like, you know, wasn't into wrestling, didn't really um not not that she didn't care but like she just didn't to me as someone who grew up watching wrestling I kind of had a chip on my shoulder about it like oh who's this girl who's only coming to training you know certain days of the week and doesn't seem like she's taking it seriously she doesn't even know what what stone cold stunners are like I had a very big chip on my shoulder at the time and it took a road trip with her um to like you know she became one of my favorite people on that road trip like and she says the same thing about me she's like oh I thought you were a bitch and but we had like really bonded on that road trip and it and our first couple of matches were awful like the worst and then as time went on our last couple of matches together were some of my absolute favorites and then for a quick minute we were tagging together um 
So I'm bummed I lost a tag partner. I lost one of my favorite opponents. So I'm like, I'm hoping I can like weasel my way into AEW <laughs> and wrestle people like her. Layla's amazing to wrestle. Um, Chris obviously is amazing to wrestle. There's so many fantastic, like uh, uh, so many talented women on, on in wrestling right now. Like it's, it's insane. Like when I started, I feel like there were barely any women. I feel like at the time, like a shimmer at the time was my, my biggest goal. And I love working for shimmer. But I feel like at the time, Shimmer held all of the good female wrestlers. And now there's so many other talented rosters around. Shimmer will always, be, to me, be like the highest, you know, highest of the highest. But, you know, there's so many women that are amazing that haven't quite made it to Shimmer yet. That, you know, they're just there's just too many. There's too many talented female wrestlers now. Okay. And it's so I mean, But I mean that in like a good way, you know, like yeah. the best possible way. <laughs> yeah, I figured you meant it in a positive way. Um, yeah. It's funny, you mentioned that because now I have a, a good a good question that I ask all my female wrestlers is, um, how do you feel about the state of women's wrestling um, in the independent, um, from an independent standpoint and from a mainstream standpoint? Mm-hmm. So as a um, a mainstream standpoint, I remember sitting on my couch when the whole like women's evolution thing happened because when I started training, I was kind of told that like there's maybe five of you in the tri-state northeast area you're probably going to work the same people you're probably going to have five minute matches um that's with your entrances like we, they they kind of set the bar for us very low mm-hmm. um so in, indie wise you know and, and even mainstream wise you kind of saw the same thing the women were getting like minute long matches and you know so it was kind of mirroring each other in a way and then um i feel like the indie scene kind of picked up and they were doing more women's matches they were doing intergender stuff and then as that picked up, I feel like the mainstream started to kind of follow that as well. So I, I just see it getting better and better. And I'm, I'm so glad there's so many more women's promotions. I'm so glad that shows are having more than just one, like women's like, you know, bathroom break match. Now women are getting, you know, matches that are just as long as the guys, if not longer, or they're getting intergender matches. There's a show I'm doing um, the weekend after Belladonna uh, for Wrestling After Dark. And I believe there's two women's matches and uh, an intergender match on the card. Like they, they try to keep their card pretty split down the middle. And I, I really appreciate that we're not just a sideshow attraction anymore. Same with like tag team wrestling. I don't think there should be just one on the show. It shouldn't be attraction matches. I, I like that everything's getting, you know, it's equality. Okay. And, and then you mentioned, um, well, we did mention earlier um, how you're going to be participating in the Genesis show held by the Belladonna division. Um, next weekend and I am so excited for that so I can see you um, in action for the um, very first time so um, what has been your preparation going into your match um, going up against Trixie yeah um, so like I said before I mean this is even before I knew I was going to be wrestling for Belladonna I've been going to the wrestling school more I've been trying to you know just work on my older I guess my older moves and kind of making sure there's no ring rust on anything um so at first I I always want to straighten up and clean up what I already do before I try to move on to something else so I have been working on some new stuff but a lot of it's been you know trying to work about like my ring cardio and uh getting some ring rust off um I've been well I'm not going to have any time for the show but I'm in the process of having new gear made so I'm just really excited to kind of like not um, recreate myself, but just kind of like upgrade myself a bit. So, you know, I've definitely been prepping for that match, but I'm prepping as a whole for, 
you know, all the matches I have coming up now. Okay. And had you ever faced Trick? You had you ever faced Trixie before? Nope. No, this will be first. This will be the first time. I love first time matches because I love seeing what other people can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And right, it's crazy because my next couple of matches I have are all first time matches. So I'm just really excited to get in there and work with new people. Well, I'm so excited for you and I just cannot wait to see you and talk about how awesome you are at the table and everything. That's going to be really cool. And it's so funny. You're saying there's a lot of similarities we have. It's like you saying this is going to be your first few matches back. This is going to be my first time commentating ever. So this is this is going to be a a fun first time thing, but I'm really excited for it. You're going to kill it. You're going to do so well. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) All right. So who inspires you the most as an athlete? It's it's interesting because I really didn't watch. um, I like I played sports in like middle school. I played basketball and stuff, but I never really idolized any athletes per se, other than professional wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said before, Lita was a big inspiration. Um, as far as wrestlers go, I was a big Eddie Guerrero fan. I was a big Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian fan. And then as, you know, time progressed, like I became really big into AJ Lee when I started wrestling. So like all of my, uh, athletes that I look up to are all wrestlers. Uh, before that, the only athletes I looked up, I looked up to were figure skaters. Cause I was really into figure skating when I was younger. And that's, mm-hmm. and I, I, that, I can never, <laughs> I, I could never, I'm not that coordinated. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. You have a lot of good favorites in terms of like Eddie Guerrero. He's definitely one of my favorites. And then you mentioned AJ Lee too. Like she was definitely one of my favorites as well. Um, I think it's like in thinking about AJ Lee, like right now and how she was known as the geek goddess, I can't help but Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, she sort of opened the door for a lot of women or just wrestlers, you know, who are male or female to sort of be open with the things that they like that that are sort of looked at as nerdy or whatever. So I... So yeah, I definitely like loved and appreciated her. Another reason I love AJ Lee is because when I was a kid and I was like, I want to be a diva when I grow up. I haven't grown since the sixth grade. I've, I've been waiting for my growth spurt since I was 11 and it never came. So <laughs> everyone's like, oh, you're not, you're not going to be big enough to be a wrestler. Like you're not going to be big enough to be a diva. And I, I really held on to that for a long time. And then when I started watching wrestling again, because I feel like I took a, a break from watching wrestling for a few years. I just, I lost my interest in it. But when I started watching it again, um, I saw AJ Lee and AJ Lee is essentially the same size as me. So it was really cool seeing a petite nerdy girl with such athleticism and charisma. And I was like, I can do this. Like. I can I can be that and then finding out um, later on after I started training that she used to wrestle for WSU and she was a former WC champion so that made it even cooler to me that I felt like this like weird invisible bond with her even though I've never talked to her I met her once but like I never said anything I was just like shaking her head hi I'm Brittany and then like I scurried off because I was shy but I feel like an invisible bond with her even though we've never (laughs) had a conversation See, that's funny because I, you know, the first time I saw AJ Lee, it's like there was this point where her and Caitlyn were always getting beat up by Natalia and mm-hmm. Beth Phoenix. And that used to make me sad a little bit because I was like, man, like, is she going to, are they going to win? Like, like, please win. And then it's like she evolved into this, you know, amazing character and became, you know, and basically, you know, tried to, she basically became the prerequisite, you know, to the women's you know, evolution on mainstream television, you know, as we know it. Absolutely. 
And then I also Absolutely. hated her. She, she definitely has. And then I hated her too. You hated my her. My boyfriend had a crush on her. That's why. That's. <laughs> that's oh, I mean. That's all. She. He had a crush on her in the beginning of our relationship. It's okay. Um, <laughs> oh I can gosh. joke about it now, but back then I was just like, "Come on!" <laughs> but I, it was only because he had a crush on her, and it's just like, really. But other than that, that. <laughs> It's, it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing. It's not like I hated her as a wrestler. She was great as a wrestler and as a character, but when yeah. he had a crush on her, I was like, no, but either way. <laughs> You're like, excuse me? Right. I'm trying to find this picture. That's all. <laughs> nothing, nothing serious. I'm trying to find this picture for you so you can see. I don't know if you'll be able to see it here, but um, I, because I cosplay, and one of my first uh, cosplays when I started wrestling was AJ Lee. Oh my god, you look just like her. That's cool. And it's funny too. She um she ended up sharing that on her Twitter, and I was like, Senpai noticed me. <laughs> oh, that's so that is so cool. Oh, that's amazing. And then those Converse too. You cannot go wrong with Chuck Taylors. I have so it's many. True. Here. It's true. I remember the last. I remember one time I saw her wrestle. She actually had on a pair of Converse that I actually own myself. And I flipped out. I was like, oh my really? gosh. Has- yeah. And it was the first pair of covers my boyfriend ever bought me too. Because he has a pair for Joker. And he bought me the Harley Quinn pair. And they were kind of like Aww. purple. And it was purple and black and red and black. And that was mine. And I was, and then she had them on. I think when Dolph Ziggler cashed in on Alberto De Rio's when she had them on. And I was like, those are my shoes. I, I freaked out. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. That's awesome. Yes. Um, so I guess now the best question to ask you is what does the future hold for Britney Place? I feel like it's still too soon to tell, but currently I know I have, like I said, we have a Bell on a Division show coming up. I have another show in North Jersey for Pro Wrestling After Dark. I have a couple other things that haven't been like announced yet that um, are coming up too, but I feel like it's too soon to tell. I feel like everything's starting to open back up again, and I feel like opportunities are starting to like come to surface again so I feel like this is gonna be a good year for me I'm hoping there's a lot more traveling this year because I have missed traveling so hopefully more traveling more shows now that things are getting back but yeah too soon to tell exactly what that might be okay but I'm pretty sure you know whenever everything does open back up you know you'll be you know knocking everybody down and you know breaking barriers and all of the above so I'm excited for you and I'm so and here again I'm so excited to see you next weekend so thank you so much for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast so um if you can you know if you you know mind um put yourself over and tell people where they can find you and follow you on social media and tell them anything else that you've got going on yeah so um you can find me on Facebook at Brittany Blake. Um, my Twitter is at Brittany Blake underscore. My Instagram is the Brittany Blake. I technically have a Twitch channel. I haven't been very active on it, but that's also under Brittany Blake. Um, basically, if you Google me, all of my social media should come up. But for the most part, I'm pretty pretty active on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook, I'm working on it. I'm working on getting more social on there. But Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun talking. I don't do a lot of podcasts, so when I do, I get very, like, chatty. Yeah, and that's okay because, you know, I'm chatty, too. So, you know, when two chatty people get together, a great conversation happens. So yes. this was amazing, and I really enjoyed having you on here. Um, I also have a bonus question, if I can ask you. Yeah. Um, I saw you have a YouTube channel where yes. you sort of, you know, talk about a lot of the video games and stuff that you play. So mm-hmm. what are your favorite video games? 
hands down my favorite video game is the Persona series. Um, it's hard to rank them. I, I do think Persona 5 might be the best game out of all of them, but it's real close with Persona 3. So the Persona series is a favorite. Uh, the Danganronpa series is a favorite. I will always love Pokemon. I'm currently playing Pokemon Snap in the other room. Um, and as far as games that are coming out, uh, The World Ends With You has a, a new game coming out in June or July that I'm looking forward to. I like a lot of JRPGs. I like JRPGs and I like fighting games. Those are like my two genres of choice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hands down Persona is will always be my favorite. I don't know, well, probably can't see it, but I have like all these shelves of like Persona figures. And then oh, wow. Sailor Moon's up there and all of my Marvel stuff is on that side. But yeah, I have a bad obsession with Persona. Yeah, that's funny because my boyfriend has an entire shelf of Sailor Moon stuff and really Moon figures as well as Dragon Ball Z figures and pop dolls. Like, it's so beautiful. Like, and then he has a shelf for all of his converse and everything. His room is so organized in comparison to mine, which is a hot mess of books and clothes and everything else. I'm kind of organized. Like, I have some books over there. I have more books over there. My fiance actually built me a coffin for my shoes. Oh, wow. I'm going to try to turn this around. I don't know if you can see, like, there's a coffin Ooh. over there. That so is a, I, that's amazing and also that's that's really cool. Yeah, I'm I, I love shoes. I have a bad shoe obsession. So <laughs> See, I really don't necessarily love shoes, but you yeah. know, I just I know you have to have them, but I do have like there are cute shoes that I do see, but I barely buy clothes for myself sometimes. Like it takes it takes a lot for me to buy new things for me. It's bad. But I can buy new things for everybody else though. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely like to buy for other people, but I, I've actually gotten better about it with the pandemic because I used to always buy new clothes for myself and I still do, but I feel like with the pandemic, because you're not leaving the house as much, it's harder to like justify clothing purchases. So mm-hmm. now that um, things are getting back to normal and I have like places I can start wearing stuff again to, I might pick up that habit again, but I've been pretty okay with pan- with the uh, my shopping issues. I just donated a bunch of clothes I'm a hoarder. I, I hold on to everything. Like I said, yeah. I haven't grown since the sixth grade and my, my fashion sense hasn't changed that much since then. Mm-hmm. So like I still have like my trip pants and my UFO pants from like 2003, 2004. <laughs> Just chilling in my closet. Yeah. See, I still had at a certain point, I still have clothes from college actually from about 2014 that I probably need to get rid of. Then there are some that I won't get rid of because I bought them when I studied abroad and I don't okay. ever want to give those up because it makes Where me feel Where did you study? Like, um, I studied abroad um, in Ghana, um, West oh, Africa, wow. um, for a month. And those clothes and those dresses and all the stuff I bought over there doesn't fit me anymore. But yeah, I still have them because I just feel like who really has, you know... Wait, where are you going to find that again? You, like, you have yeah, to where go back find there. It? Right. So it's just like, I don't want to give that up. So I, I wouldn't. Yeah, so I still have it. And then it's like I went to Spain and I have a dress that I bought from there. But that still doesn't fit either. So it's just kind of like I just don't have the heart to let that stuff go. That's when you don't. just put everything into a vacuum seal bag and you just stuff it somewhere. That's what I started doing. I started vacuum sealing things I don't wear and I probably won't wear again. But I don't. I'm too like emotionally attached to get rid of them. 
Yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> but thank you again um, for coming on my show, Brittany Blake. And I'm thank just, you for having me. Yes, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, so this is the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And if you want to um, follow Brittany Blake everywhere you want to follow her, where she said, you know, please follow her and support anything that she's doing. And I look forward to seeing you next weekend. Okay. I'll see you next weekend. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. Okay, so I was sitting with my friends one day and they asked me, Stephanie, how do you record your podcast? And I said, with the Anchor app on my phone. And they were like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's that simple. It is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. And it will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's got everything you need to make a podcast in one place. They even have classes and stuff that you can listen to that will give you all kinds of good tips on what you need to do in order to make the best podcast. So if you want to do this, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. Okay, so since I had the amazing Casey Dillon on my show, and I want to thank her for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, I want to take this time to actually put over this event a whole lot more, and I'm going to be doing it within the coming weeks leading up to the event. So the Belladonna Division is one of the first all-female women's promotions in the South, and I'm so proud that it's taking place in my home state of Alabama. Whoop, whoop, sweet home Alabama. Roll, tie, roll. Um, I'm not a Crimson Tide fan. I just say that because it's just in my bones. Either way, um, <laughs> I'm just really excited that this is taking place in Alabama. So, um, the event Genesis is taking place on Saturday, May the 15th, um, 2021 at the Gadsden Mall in Gadsden, Alabama. And if you need the address, here it is. It's one is 1001 Rainbow Drive, um, Gadsden, Alabama, 35901. Um, the general admission for tickets is $15 and ringside seats are $20 and the doors open at 6 p.m. But before the doors open for the Genesis event itself, um, legendary wrestler and all around future Hall of Famer Jazz is going to be having a wrestling seminar that you can sign up for for only $50. And that's going to take place um, at the Gaston Mall from 3 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. So if you want to take that opportunity to learn from one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time please do so go and get this class you know and plus she's also booked you know to wrestle with us you know on that show too so please take that opportunity to do that as she goes on her retirement tour um and then after that of course you have the genesis event and it's going to feature some of the greatest you know um talent that we have you know in women's wrestling today um some of these women have you know various backgrounds and various different um fighting styles and they have fought all over the world and competed in various promotions some of them even in wwe a couple of times and some of them um on impact and other places as well so first we have um nwa legend joyce grabble is going to be there harley fairfax valentina loca um a uk star by the name of eden von england jocelyn navarro who's a jamaican superstar um ariella 
Ariella Nix, Nina Monet, Gabby Ortiz, um, BB Ryan, Trixie Shalance Royal, um, Heather Monroe, Rachel Ray Lynn, Brittany Blake, and the weapon of all destruction, the WOAD, is going to be there. And also, I'm going to be making my um, official debut as a commentator, and I'm going to be commentating alongside Brittany Hufflin. She is amazing, and we're going to try to, you know, basically, well, not try, I'm going to try <laughs> um, to keep up with her as much as I possibly can, um, because this is going to be my first time, so I'm really excited excited you know to be a color commentator for this event um women's wrestling has always been something I've been passionate about so the idea that something like this you know is happening in my home state and I get to be a part of it you know just really moves me you know and it'll always you know touch me to no end and hopefully you know this can be the start of something new in my life um, no high school musical though. So, <laughs> so we're going to tear it down and we're going to tear it up at Genesis, which is basically, you know, the beginning of things, you know, if you're biblically, if you know anything, you know, about, you know, biblical knowledge, Genesis is translated to the beginning. And hopefully this can be the beginning of something great that can continue to happen in the state of Alabama, you know, for women's wrestling. So I'm really excited. This is happening again. This Genesis is taking place Saturday, May the 15th, 2021 with the doors opening at 6 p.m. and you can buy your tickets at um this link that can that can be found on the Instagram page for the Belladonna Division at Belladonna Division um and on their Facebook page which is the Belladonna Division and here's the link it's um https the Belladonna Division dot square dot site um, but you can find the link on their social media platforms. Please follow them on Instagram and on Facebook. And of course, I'm going to be posting about it on my social media handles as well. So with that in mind, please support women's wrestling. Um, even the wrestling that you may or may not know about, please support it. The wrestling that's going on in your hometown, please support it. And just, you know, raise your voices for women's wrestling because there is a revolution happening and, it's only going to get greater from here. So please support us and please come out and support women's wrestling here in Alabama. Right. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Um, and I want to take this time to really thank, like absolutely thank Brittany Blake um, for coming on my show. And I really hope you enjoyed our conversation that we had because I definitely sure did. Um, I love opening, you know, my doors to new, well, not new, but to like all these people who I'm meeting for the very first time and being able to talk to them about wrestling and talk to them about their careers and everything. So it means the world to me to be able to have, you know, so many women from this show that I'm actually a part of, you know, be on my show. And I'm just really pumped and excited for it. So um, like the promo said, the show is next. Well, not the promo, but the show is next weekend <laughs> at the Gaston Mall. And, you know, you can buy tickets because I actually have the link to it on my Instagram and my Twitter page um, on at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and on Twitter at Hardy Russell Pod. Please buy your tickets. Um, general admission, $15. Ringside, $20. Please support Women's Wrestling in the South. I'm so excited. Please support me because I'm commentating for the first time. It's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Boom 
boom. So um, if you want to listen to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, you can listen to it on all um, platforms on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, on my YouTube channel, Hardy Wrestling Podcast, and just anywhere you can get your podcast. Please listen to it, support it, like, share, subscribe, leave, you know, comments and ratings and all of that. So, you know, just to get the word out there about my show and to just continue to support it. Um, I found out last night that I have over 2000 plays and I'm just really grateful that, you know, people are actually even pressing play to listen to me. Like, I'm just really grateful um, for all of you guys for supporting my show and listening to me talk about wrestling and all of that, because it's it's amazing to do because I just really love this sport so very much. And it's and what's amazing is it's like to be able to meet other people who love to talk about wrestling and actually want to, you know, be on my show, it just means the absolute world to me. And the sky is the limit and there's so much growth that, you know, will happen and continue to happen. So I'm just really grateful, you know, for the show growing as much as it has. And I, you know, hope and pray it continues to grow. So I hope you're being your best self and you're staying safe and, you know, living your best life, even though we're still, you know, struggling with this panorama. Um, and also still struggling with various things, but I just hope that you're still making the best out of whatever situations that you're going through. And even if you don't have any, you know, direct situations right now, I just hope that you're, that you have the perseverance to, you know, push through life and, you know, be your best self and just be the light in the world, you know, that's just so full of so many dark things. So with that in mind, um, I'm also releasing another episode this weekend featuring another talented woman by the name of the weapon of um, all destruction, or in her case, the weapon of ass destruction, the woad. Um, I'm going to put that episode out either today or tomorrow. So please be on the lookout for that. But thank you for supporting the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. This is your girl, Stephanie Hardy. And until next time, bye y'all. Hey y'all, guess who's back with another episode this weekend. Hey, it's your girl Stephanie with another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And I'm making this up. Either way, it's a bonus episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. So I'm talking about everything in this episode. I'm talking about everything I love from wrestling this week in a throwback segment like I used to do where I talked about everything that I found interesting from all three shows raw nxt and smackdown then i have a stellar interview with um the thick thighed one-eyed wrestling warrior the woad like this conversation is really good and i hope you guys get into it and then of course i have more information about the show next saturday um the belladonna divisions genesis is taking place at the gaston mall so sit back relax and listen to this bonus episode of the hardy wrestling podcast catch the vibe Okay, so in this segment, I'm going to do sort of like a throwback 
Um, recap. So when I first started the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, I used to talk about everything I liked within the week in one thing, as opposed to separating it um, by show, um, by doing a recap on Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. So now I'm basically, to fit in with the whole throwback thing that SmackDown had going on last night, I'm going to do a throwback of all the things I actually enjoyed or the things that really intrigued me um, on all of the shows. So I'm going to start with Raw now and talk about how Charlotte Flair basically privileged her way um, and basically put politicked her way into a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship at Backlash versus Rhea Ripley and Asuka. And she was talking to Sonya Deville here. Basically, you know, she kept saying, you know, um, make it fair for Flair and all this other stuff. And she was just, you know, shoehorning her way in. And I feel like there are a lot of fans online who were talking about how much they really, how much WWE really just don't get that we just don't want to see her, you know, go for the title again or sort of, you know, shoehorn herself in. But I think that's a part of the point. Um, I think that's a part of the reason why um, they know we don't want to see her because they know that ultimately we want to see her lose. But then someone else, you know, mentioned on um, Twitter during Raw, by they mentioned that Rhea Ripley didn't exactly, you know, earn her way, you know, to a title shot either. She just kind of walked up to Oscar and challenged her. So why is it any different, you know, that Charlotte, you know, does like, why are we, you know, angry at Charlotte doing it when essentially Rhea Ripley did the same thing to Oscar at WrestleMania. And I thought that was pretty interesting. That's an interesting dichotomy there. But I'm hoping for me, I'm hoping that at Backlash, Rhea Ripley can, you know, win and sort of prove herself, you know, as a new talent here on the main roster. And then there's the fact that her and um, Asuka, of course, have that history, you know, from WrestleMania. But then her and Charlotte have an even more checkered past because Charlotte was the one who beat her for the NXT Women's title last year. So I'm hoping that Rhea Ripley can pull off the win here. But Charlotte Flair as a heel is just absolutely wonderful. Like, it's a really good fit for her, even though she's still getting on my nerves and she's giving off, you know, major Karen privilege vibes. But, you know, it's just still really, you know, interesting. And then to also see Sonya Deville continue to undermine Adam Pierce's um authority it's just really amazing too because it's just like you're just I'm just wondering and just waiting for the day that Sonya actually really does just you know take over and I'm really you know here for it because I just really love watching women in charge um and and sort of speaking to the whole throwback thing it just sort of reminds me how when I was a kid I watched you know Stephanie McMahon you know be in charge and be the general manager of Smackdown so you can only imagine how cool it would be to see Sonya Deville be the WWE official of it like the official of both of the shows like that's just really that would be really cool to see even though I love Adam Pierce though um like I loved the addition of him but Sonya taking over is just really interesting and then in and then speaking of Sonya Lily was watching her like the doll the little rag doll that um Alexa Bliss has she was watching her and I'm wondering if she's gonna try to like take over her or try to beat her up so Alexa could possibly take over her or something else is gonna happen there like I have no clue and then there was the Eva Marie shock that I talked about in my um previous episode that I released 
um, and how amazing and how crazy that was over the past couple of days. So there's that. Um, she's no longer Miss All Red Everything because now she has pink and or purple hair. I don't know. Sometimes I think I'm a little bit of colorblind, but that's pretty much um, some of the things I liked in terms of the girls. But then there's one more thing I liked in terms of the girls was that Naomi and Lana were visibly angry and frustrated backstage with how they lost the um, women's tag team um, championship match they had against Nia and Shayna due to interference involving Reginald. Um, and I feel like it's kind of weird how sometimes they'll have Reginald out there, but then other times they won't. Um, but then it's just like when they do have him out there, it's always to do to make some type of screw job finish. And I feel like Nia and I feel like Naomi and Lana are now just getting really angry because it feels like they're constantly fighting them over and over again to no avail. Um, but it's so hard to root for them when on SmackDown you have um, Natty and Tamina trying to go for them as well. So it's just kind of like, which one, you know, which one of these girls is, you know, eventually going to take them out if they can take them out? Like, it's just kind of interesting. But at the same time, I do want to see more aggression from Naomi because I hadn't really seen that type of aggression from her since, you know, I want to say 2000, I want to say maybe 2014, 2015, right around the time the women's evolution was starting and she was healed. So I think this will be really interesting, you know, for her and Lana. Um, Another part of Monday Night Raw that I found interesting was the fact that Shelton, Benjamin and Cedric Alexander officially broke up their tag team after they suffered yet another loss to, I believe, Lucha House Party. And I think... Cedric has all the makings to be a star on his own, even though he started off as a cruiserweight and he is a former cruiserweight champion. Um, for a while before he had joined the Hurt Business, he was just kind of stuck, you know, in limbo. But, you know, he's found his aggression. He found his stride in the Hurt Business. And now the Hurt Business is broken up and it's just so stupid that they did that. But now Cedric kind of wants to strike out on his own. And I'm pretty sure him and Shelton might have a match you know down the road and I hope they do because Shelton Benjamin is somebody who is still very much in his prime even though he's been in the company and been in wrestling for god knows how long like he can still do amazing things and to do that along with Cedric who is absolutely amazing I keep burping um excuse me um who keeps doing amazing things as well it's just you know the sky's the limit with that so I'm really interested in seeing that also, I was happy to see Angel Garza fighting in a match and him actually, you know, beating up Drew Gulak. And shout out to Drew Gulak, you know, for training Brittany Blake, who was my um, last guest on my show in my first episode that I released this weekend. Like, he got beat up by, An- by Angel Garza, but then Angel Garza stuffed a rose up his butt. And I was like, oh my God, that's terrible. But it was still good to see him fight because it's just so weird because out of the whole you know, quasi Los Ingobernables that we had with him, Andrade and Zelina, Angel is literally the only one left. It's like, it's like he's the Carmella out of the whole Enzo and Cass thing. It's just like, he's the only one left. And it's just like, oh my God, it's just so sad. But here's hoping that he can continue to do more. And I was really happy to see the main roster debut of Mansoor from um, Saudi Arabia. Um, he used to be a fixture on all the Saudi Arabia shows, of course, when everything was normal. 
Um, and he would win all those matches and he would, you know, go over to the Saudi Arabian crowd. So, and then I also read somewhere that he's also been on 205 Live a little bit. So now they're transitioning him to sort of show himself, you know, I guess in a feud against Sheamus. But it looks like Sheamus is feuding, is also feuding with Humberto Carrillo, who wants to prove himself, you know, for the United States Championship. So maybe it's going to be a triple threat. Um, at Backlash, who knows, but I still think that's really interesting. So that's really, um, everything that I loved about Raw. Um, and now I'm going to talk about what I loved on NXT. Um, I really love the Leon Ruff, Swerve Scott, um, match, um, because it showed that Leon Ruff has a whole lot of aggression that, you know, you wouldn't assume that he would have because he's just a sweetie pie who has like the biggest smile and he's very small and stuff but you know what he does you know in terms of his you know kicking and all that offense and stuff is just really cool and then you have Isaiah Swerve Scott who's an amazing cruiserweight as well you know like this match was really good and you can tell you know that this feud you know is something serious between these two and this isn't over because as the match kept going on and as they kept destroying each other um towards the end you had interference from Swerve's crew and then they all came out there and beat up on him which allowed for Swerve, Swerve to get the win so I guess you know we it's only safe to assume that at some point they're gonna fight each other again or maybe Leon Ruff is gonna gather you know some of his friends so they can all fight each other but then then I was also intrigued with the fact that Brianna Brandy, old girl with the gray braids, who's like super beautiful, like and stunning. She was a part of Swerve's crew too. And I'm just sitting here like, when is she gonna fight? <laughs> like, cause she's been backstage, like, and she used to pop up on Raw Underground and everything. And I was just like, when is she gonna fight? But maybe the Swerve's crew thing is actually gonna become like a factious, and then maybe they will, but I don't know. But it's still cool. Also, I enjoyed um, Cameron Grimes being ribbed by Ted DiBiase. I feel like that's one of the most amazing things to happen because it's just like Cameron Grimes is basically, you know, bragging about having all of this money and talking about, you know, how, you know, he can rent out, you know, a part of a club. But then as it turns out, Ted DiBiase, you know, it's like you don't have money until you can buy out the whole club, bro. And it's just so funny because I'm just like... You cannot out million dollar the million dollar man. You just can't. And something that I live tweeted during the show was just the fact that I can't get over how I saw him talking to Ric Flair at the Comic-Con I went to a few years ago. Um, Because I felt like I was, you know, it just it just didn't feel real. Like it felt like I was in a movie or like I was watching, you know, these two dudes talk to each other like they do for the Hall of Fame or something, except I'm actually looking at the TV, but I'm not. And they're actually in front of my face like what? But yeah, um, that was funny. And then another part that was really funny um, was Austin Theory, you know, being goofy and talking about how big Scarlett's nails are and how that basically led to Austin Theory um well, to um, carrying across the NXT champion, wanting his head on a silver platter. And I'm just like, man, you must really love Scarlett to want to kill any man that tries to start some mess with her, huh? <laughs> I think it's interesting. They're such a creepy couple and I love it. Um, 
And it's just Carrion has his plate full with all the people who wants to fight him. Finn wants to fight him. Kyle O'Reilly wants to fight him. Pete Dunne wants to fight him. Like, everybody just wants a piece of Carrion. But Carrion's going to give him, you know, what for. So I just think that's going to be cool. Um, another great part of NXT that I loved was Zeta Ramir versus Saray. Um, Saray is a really, you know, solid talent in terms of um, people that they've brought over from Japan. Um, she's really good in the ring and being able to see Zeta Ramir, who's relatively, you know, who has an indie, who has an independent um, wrestling background and was trained at Reality of Wrestling Booker T's school, along with um, Promise Braxton, their current Diamonds champion, who's been on the show before. Um, watching her, you know, stand up, you know, and basically rise to the occasion of be, of fighting Saray, even though she wound up losing, was still amazing to see. Plus, not to mention, I got a little emotional when that when Alicia Taylor announced Zeta Ramirez as being from um, Alabama. Um, she mentioned the city, and I can't remember the city right now to save my life. But when she said that she was from Alabama, like just to hear that, just meant the world to me because it's just like that. Just lets me know that there is nothing that people from there's nothing that Alabamians can't do especially black female Alabamians and the fact that we have one who made it you know you know and trained and got you know amazing and then got to NXT and now she's here it's like we get to hear Alabama all the time now because of her and then you have Kayla Braxton who's also from Alabama too and hopefully one day I'll get there and I'll be from Alabama and then we'll just be happy and just cry together and yeah just just know that we're on that Alabama deserves the is is we're on the run to come up guys and it's just beautiful um it's wonderful so after that um I also really enjoyed the main event which was team Black Moon that's Ember and Shotzi Blackheart versus the way in Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell, you know, in that street fight for the women, for the NXT women's tag team titles. And that match was absolutely stellar. Like they were treating each other like wrecking balls, running into each other, running into tables and all that other stuff. It was incredible. I suggest you go watch it. Like, please go watch it. If you get the chance. Um, I was happy. I was kind of bummed out because I love Ember and Shotzi as champions. But at the same time, I was happy that Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell were able to have that moment to win because Candice LeRae has never won a title in NXT and she's been there for so long. And that really surprised me. It's just like her husband has gotten almost all the titles, if not all of them, you know, for on the male side. But then she has never won the NXT Women's Championship. And now she's won the Tag Team Championships with Indy. And this is her first one, too. So it's just kind of like, that's amazing um, for them. And then I thought that somehow or another Dexter was going to, like, distract her. Or maybe she was going to get distracted or, you know, whatever. But he didn't come out there. And um, there was no distraction with them. But at the same time, their love story isn't over. And I'm totally shipping Indy and Dexter because... It's just cute. And I just really, I just don't need for Candace to try to keep her away from Dexter. Like, let them love each other, please, ma'am. I mean, nobody's looking down on you and your romance with your husband. Let Indy get a husband. But I know she's being the mom and over, you know, Indy Hartwell's sort of teenage girl kind of thing. But still, like, let them love each other. It's hot. Um, so, yeah, like, 
that was pretty much all that I enjoyed from NXT. Um, but SmackDown, though, that was fan-freaking-tastic because it was a throwback week on Fox. And so it, you know, boiled over into SmackDown. And I was wondering, you know, what they were going to do for it, considering SmackDown only, you know, existed you know, existed in night. It started in 1999. So I was wondering, you know, how they're going to do this throwback thing, you know, and go back to the eighties or the seventies or whatever. But, but it felt really eighties though, in some places, but then of course they did, they showed a lot of great moments like the big show and, um, Brock Lesnar breaking the ring. Um, and then they showed, um, Eddie Guerrero and Vince McMahon and a low rider RIP Eddie. Um, and then they also showed Edge and that guy formerly known as Hulk Hogan winning the tag titles and how he was living his dream and all the other stuff. And, you know, just and then on top of that, you know, once the show started, you had um, Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, come out with Paul Hammond and Jay Uso. And all of a sudden you hear the Uso music go off and then you see Jimmy. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's Jimmy! Like I freaked out because I miss Jimmy so much. And I miss the Jimmy and Jay connection that they have, you know, as brothers and everything and as a tag team. I've missed them so much. So I was so glad to see him come back and be, you know, who he is and everything. And to see throughout the entire show, the the progression of the feud within the family that they've got going on is just absolutely stellar. It's like Jimmy has been gone all this time and he's had to watch his brother, you know, sort of um, pussyfoot behind. (laughs) I don't mean to say it like that, but pussyfoot behind Roman Reigns over and over again. And he's sort of tired of it because they were their own men and Jimmy is his own man. And he's basically saying, you know, I'm not about to be, you know, your little lap dog. You know, he essentially said, you know, I'm not going to be your little B word. You know, that's not me. But over the course of the show, you can see Jay and Roman sort of trying to tell him, you know, it's easier if you just do it this way, because if he's not on your side, then you're going to have a bad time. I mean, that's really not what he said, but that's pretty much what he said. And, you can see that anytime Jay Uso would get attacked by any other wrestler like Cesaro or whatever, it's just like you can see the fight in Jimmy Uso's face. Like, like he wants to defend Uso, defend Jay, but then he really doesn't want to defend Jay because Jay has made this choice to be the lapdog of Roman, and he's nobody's lapdog, but he loves his brother. So it's just so hard. But they're acting so well. And then one of the greatest parts about it was just watching Naomi react to everything on Twitter. She actually tweeted, you know, and actually said, you know, beat his behind and come home, baby. And I'm just like, girl, I love (laughs) y'all. I love their marriage. Like, I just, I love it when people on Twitter who are, you know, married to other wrestlers can just be thirsty um, with their marriage thirst. And it's just so cool. Like, that's the type of thirst that I aspire to. Y'all pray for me. Pray, pray that one day I'll you know, get married and have those moments. (laughs) So yeah, like it's just, it was just throughout the whole show. It was just really good to see, you know, them throughout do, do all of that drama. And it was just weaved in and out of the show. Plus I really loved how Teddy Long came back and I just wasn't expecting it. And they, and then he made like a 10 man tag team match and all of that. And I was just really happy to see him and shout out to him for actually coming on my show, um, a couple months ago, because he really doesn't do podcast interviews all that much due to some stuff that happened in the past. But the idea 
that he actually came on my show, you know, just blows my mind to this day. And just watching him on TV, you know, just sort of proves like it, it just sort of made me feel like, man, like I really did talk to him. Like, oh, my God, like it's amazing. Um, and then to see him backstage dancing, you know, teaching Sami Zayn the Teddy Long dance along with Sonya. Like that was really cute. Like watching Sonya Deville dance is just like a pretty funny thing. So, and then he tried to book Sami Zayn in a match against The Undertaker. And I'm just like, oh, you're so precious. Oh my God, I can't. Um, Teddy Long is a vibe. He is an eternal vibe. And I'm so proud that he and I are from the same city. So that's just really cool. And I loved everybody's retro outfits. Like Kayla had on, you know, a little bit of her little cute outfit and said she looked like Hillary Banks from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which she wasn't lying because she had those curls in her hair and everything. She was looking all cute and with them boots and stuff. And then you had Michael Cole and Pat, you know, dressed up, you know, in their commentator clothes, kind of like they used to, you know, in the in the I want to say in the 90s or in the early like in the late 80s early 90s like that was really cute and then they had those microphone covers that had wwe with the retro letters and then it came on and then smackdown came on in the retro way that it used to with the you know current slogan and i was just like oh my god i love stuff like this like i am a sucker for nostalgia like i just love stuff like that i enjoyed it and they had the cgi fist you know and i know a lot of people were really gunning for them to make smackdown look like it did when it was on upn shout out to upn i miss it um and it's just like even if they didn't do it maybe they weren't able to you know get the manpower to physically take everything down in the thunderdome screens and everything just to put it up but at least they tried with the cgi fit so i still thought that was cool and I also want to give a shout out to UPN too, because as I've been rewatching the Parkers, it's like since the Parkers and WWE SmackDown were on the same channel, um, there were a lot of references they made to SmackDown within the Parkers show. Um, and it was just like, man, like wrestling was really that thing back there, like in the nineties and the two thousands and everything. Like they were on the same network. So they made references to each other in this amazing black show. And I'm just like, yes. So yeah, I miss UPN. Um, (laughs) making SmackDown references and everything. It's just so cool. Um, and then they also show commercials for Ico Pro and the old WWE ice cream bars. They had a commercial with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and he ate the ice cream bar and it made a crunch sound. And I was like, whoa, it, it used to crunch. And dad was like, yeah, it had a cookie inside. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, like that's just stuff like that that I find fascinating. And then now they have the ice cream bars, but they're like ice cream sandwiches, but they're still really good though. Like I definitely recommend you try those ice cream bars. But you have to look up what stores they're in because they're not in every store. Like, you're not going to find them at Walmart. Here in Alabama, they're in Publix. But yeah. Um, (laughs) But just to hear the ice cream bar crunch and then um, to know what Ico Pro is even now, it's just kind of like, man, like, daddy was explaining to me, you know, what Ico Pro was. And I was just like, why does it feel like everything Vince McMahon does outside of wrestling just just if it's not a movie or something, it just winds up failing somehow, like god dang it like Vince why but it's it's okay it's okay um at least he can live his life saying that he tried some people just don't try so that was really cool um I love that Cesaro 
now has a chance to fight for the universal title, even though I feel like there's going to be some shenanigans, you know, thrown in there. But I'm just really happy that Cesaro's going to have his chance at a giant title like that because he's never had an opportunity. And I wish, you know, he would win it. But with Roman Reigns being as Roman Reignsy as he's being lately, I just don't think it's going to happen. But I really would love if Cesaro could win. But you just never know. I'm just glad he's getting the opportunity. Um, And then another thing that I liked about SmackDown was um, Bailey, you know, and her new hairstyle, which I think is really cute with the crinkles and stuff. It's kind of wild, but it's still cute. And then um, she came out to throw shade, to give praise and throw shade at the women's champions of the past, like Alundra Blaze and Jacqueline and Trish Stratus and Lita, who she called her heroes. But she basically said that they weren't as good as champions as she was. And then she mentioned Bianca Belair, you know, dead last or whatever, and proceeded to call her insecure and you know, and making it seem like, you know, I'm just going to use all those insecurities to beat you at Backlash because I'm the better champion. But Bianca Belair came out in her shining outfit and everything and basically said, you know, I have confidence, you know, and I am not insecure because I know I'm the EST and I'm going to beat you up. And so Bailey just starts laughing at her. Like she just keeps taking her as a joke and it irritates me. I'm just like, I'm going to need for you to stop laughing at her like she's funny because Bianca is funny but she's not that funny in terms of you undermining her and stuff like that like stop laughing at her like she won't beat your behind and then it was funny because when Bianca was cutting her promo she said that she's living her best life you know I was just like yes (laughs) like everything about Bianca Miller just makes me feel so seen um but then um she and then Bianca proceeded to beat her up you know after Bailey tried to attack her but then Bailey got the best of her and then stepped on her braid and then also not only just stepped on her braid and stomped on her face she tried to yank her by her earring and I'm like no is Bailey trying to act like Randy Orton did with Jeff Hardy and his ear gauge because you don't snatch those big earrings out of a woman's ears because that's damage um that was making me scared But, you know, I'm looking forward to watching them fight again because we know Bianca Belair is going to tear it up per usual and retain her title. So it's going to be cool. So that's pretty much everything I liked about wrestling this week. And I hope you enjoyed this little throwback section where I know I kind of ran through three shows all at once. But I'm not going to keep doing that. But I just wanted to do that for the sake of trying something different. So that's the end of this segment. And now we're going to go to our interview um, with The Woad. Okay, so I was sitting with my friends one day and they asked me, Stephanie, how do you record your podcast? And I said, with the Anchor app on my phone. And they were like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's that simple. It is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. And it will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's got everything you need to make a podcast in one place. They even have classes and stuff that you can listen to that will give you all kinds of good tips on what you need to do in order to make the best podcast. So if you want to do this, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. 
She is known as the one-eyed, thick-thighed weapon of all destruction, otherwise known as the world. How are you, ma'am? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. So I'm going to start off my interview by asking um, the question I ask all of my guests is, when did you fall in love with wrestling? Uh, well, I've been watching wrestling, I can say, uh, uh, I think ever since I was three years old, there's, I cannot remember a time when I wa- when I wasn't watching wrestling. My grandma used to watch it. Uh, it was right here in Atlanta. WCW, they used to run their shows. So mm-hmm. I've always been a fan. I've always loved it. And uh, yeah, ever, ever since I was three, ever since I saw Macho Man Randy Savage jump off and give his famous elbow drop, that got me hooked. That's like my first memory of wrestling. Oh, that's cool. Um, something like that, it's so funny you mentioned your grandmother and how she sort of started you to watching it. I have this theory in the back of my mind that deep down inside when it comes to wrestling fandom, it's like black families have a tendency to start something off that sort of, that either tends to cut off or keep going down different generations. So I really feel like somehow or another that should be talked about a little bit more but then again I'm not sure if every if every black person or every black wrestling fan has had that experience or not but I feel like that's the thing that should be explored a little bit more well that's I think that's definitely something that can be taken in consideration because you know our grandparents you know they were around with the Hulk Hogan's the Andre the Giants that's who they watched so I'm pretty sure it definitely has has an influence on on uh, future generations for sure yeah definitely and it's just like when my grandma like she saw Ric Flair at the Batwell here in Birmingham Alabama and Pat Patterson and all them and then it's just like she exposed my father to it and then my father exposed me and my sister to it so it's just kind of a family affair type of thing and it's just really cool so um when did you decide that you wanted to pursue it as a career um I can say when I was uh 15 years old that's when I mean I've always loved wrestling and I've always uh felt a connection to it I always felt that I was meant to be a part of it and you know growing up when I was younger I was like oh yeah I wanted to be a wrestler my parents thought it was funny because you know you being half blind they're like oh well okay yeah sure you're a straight A student but yeah go get in the ring and let people knock you upside your head for a living definitely (laughs) but um when I was 15 years old that was when I when it was solidified I knew that was what I wanted to do I knew that was something that I should make a part of my life and that's something I feel that I was meant to be and something I feel like I can make a change in. So yeah, and ever since ever since then, that has always been my dream. You know, it's funny you mentioned how your parents were just kind of like, oh, you're making straight A's, but go ahead, you know, be a wrestler and everything. I feel like maybe a lot of people kind of had those conversations like with their parents, like, oh, I'm gonna be a wrestler. They're kind of like, huh? Because that's not the average thing that you hear people say. Like, you hear people say, definitely oh, is not. I'm going to be a doctor, or I'm going to be a lawyer, or um, or different other things like that. Or I'm going to be, like, yeah. a dentist or a model or something. But they don't ever, you never think wrestling, wrestling is going to come out of your child's mouth. <laughs> so, yeah. Were they supportive of you in that? Um, not at all. No. Um, not at all. Like, negative zero you know and uh it it really kind of bummed me out because you know it's your parents and you know you want them to see that this is your life this is your choice and you want them to know that you know that they support what you do even if they 
don't agree with it. And I did not get that from my parents, my friends, or my family. Um, now, now I do. And that's all, That that's what really makes me happy. Because, you know, I, I could sit around, I can, you know, still think about the times when my dad wouldn't talk to me because I chose to, you know, not go off to college, not go to school, but become a wrestler. You know, he stopped speaking with me. He made me stop speaking with my siblings. And it was really rough because coming from a large family, that was like the first time I really felt alone. And I told myself, well, you know, if I got to be alone to make this dream happen, well, that's what I'm going to do. And that's a good thing that you persevered, you know, even through those hard times. So I can't even, I can't even imagine being cut off from your family like that. But, you know, at least now they really do support you in that now. Because I, I think that sometimes people don't, it's like they don't support you maybe because they don't understand it. But then it's like once they see that you're flourishing at it, they tend to turn around and look and see that it's making you happy. So I'm glad that they are supporting you now. Um, even though it started off kind of rough in the past. Um, So how did you pursue your training when you decided to go all in on it? Well, see, um, growing up, I just watched, you know, what was on TV, WCW, WWF, you know, Monday Nitro, all that. So I wasn't aware of the independent scene here in Georgia. And I just started looking up wrestling schools in Georgia. And there was a local school here right in Atlanta uh, that was owned by, um, I think Curtis Hughes. And I went there and I was very disappointed because it wasn't what I thought it would be. It felt like they didn't take me seriously as well because, well, honestly, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it because I was a black woman and Mm -hmm. I felt that they didn't see much success in me. You know, I'm, I'm just gonna call it like it is, you know? Yeah, and you know, I felt that they were putting more time and effort into other students and not me. And you know, I, I met my real trainer, uh, Jay Fury, up there, and he told me, he said, you know, if you really want to train, if you really want to become a wrestler, then come to BCW. And I left uh, that school and I went to Platinum Championship Wrestling, and I've been, I trained there, you know, developed my character work, uh, find out what works best for me, find out, you know, I found out what what works best. Uh, what what bet what techniques I could use to make, make myself better, and um, after that I started training and wrestling on the road, and then I went to other training schools around Georgia, and you know, right now I train at uh, I train with Nick Patrick up at um, at Deep South Wrestling, and that's where I've been for for a few months now, and I love it, and it's, it's a great place to basically perfect your craft. It's a great way to make yourself better. It's a great way to really get yourself the way you want yourself to be in this business. Okay, so it looks like you got a lot of you got a, like a diverse amount of training, even though you started off at a school that didn't necessarily value you as a student. Um, because you are a black woman and it is okay for you to say that here on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. You are in a safe space. Um, we're both black women. I get it. Um, so I am kind of, di- I'm disappointed in the idea that they didn't see any value in you at first, but I'm glad that you continued to persevere through that and then find a place where you did feel safe and where you were taken seriously as a student. Um, The way I look at it, you know, I mean, for years, you know, wrestling has been, you know, a a white man's game, 
for mm-hmm. years since the beginning of the time you know we it may make some people uncomfortable to hear that but that's the truth right and me being a curvy black woman wrestling in the south you know it has not been pretty it still hasn't been pretty um you know they i feel to this day that uh southern wrestling still hasn't really accepted black women Mm-hmm. I still feel that they uh, they still, they're not used to how we work. They're not sure how to use us. And that's sad to say because, you know, if you, it's like this business is big enough for everybody. And you're telling me that you don't know how to use me simply based on my skin color. Like, does that, is, does that really throw you much of a loop that, wow, just because this person is a different skin tone, oh my goodness, I don't know how to book them. Like, or you could just be a booker and, you know, book you know yeah but um yeah I feel definitely the south um is definitely still has some things to work on like even now you know if you look at southern wrestling I'm talking about states like you know Georgia Alabama Tennessee you don't see that many black women you don't um there are definitely there are definitely some but it's not you know it's not as many and I feel like we just we have to work three times as hard just to even prove ourselves because I feel that for the longest black women have been used as talent enhancement you know it's always to make the other girl look good it's always to make you know the the other girl that's that's lesser experience oh but she looks cute in these shorts or or you know this that and the third we want you to make her look good so she can be our champion but you know you know and and, and I've had my share of that and Instead of me getting angry and upset about it, you know, it just made me work harder. It made me see that, you know, this this business it still has some work. It still has some things that it needs to work on. So, yes, definitely, and hopefully they can continue to evolve with how we see black women because definitely we're all not the same. We're not monolithic, so it shouldn't necessarily be as hard to book us now in the twenty first century because it's twenty twenty one and we're all not the same. And we are right when it comes to Southern wrestling, you know, the more I'm learning about independent, you know, there is, um, there really only are so many of us, but I figure the further and the harder we work and the more we prove ourselves and the more doors that will open in terms of, you know, this is just me sort of being positive and sort of manifesting that energy. It's just the more we put ourselves out there and the more harder we work, then the more positions that we will have to be on top. So I'm definitely glad you're speaking today. Um, And you kind of, I was actually going to ask you more about that a little bit later on, but we can talk about it a little bit more if you like. So I'm going to ask you another question. Um, How were you able to navigate training um, to become a wrestler, um, although you are half blind? Uh, It's definitely not easy. You know, my whole left side is gone, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have to find a way to not just even stand, but a, a way to position myself to where I'm able to see on my left side and on my right side, which is using my right eye. You know, it's it's definitely, um, it's definitely not been easy, uh, especially, you know, trying to find my placement in the ring, working on myself, trying to execute my moves better. Uh, but... I don't know. I guess I, I just roll with the punches. Like I said, this is just, I always felt that this was something that I was meant to do. And, you know, this, you know, you're, you're wanting to accomplish your dream will never be easy. 
It just won't. It, it will. It, obstacles will be thrown at you left and right. Some of the hardest things you've ever had to do. Because me personally, just coming out and telling the wrestling world that I am half blind, you know, the first half blind female wrestler, um, you know, it's it's hard. It's uh, physical, emotional, mental. It really is. But what I've learned is the fact that I have nothing to prove to anyone but myself. Every time I step in that ring, every time I go toe-to-toe with my opponent, um, I just try to be better than what I was last time. I try to have a better match than what I had last time. I try to be uh, bigger. I, I want to be bigger than, than than ever before. So I feel that, you know, instead of me just whining and feeling sorry for myself, I could, you know, go out and make history and kick some ass with my ass. <laughs> right and I've actually watched a couple of your clips and everything where it seems like you sort of describe yourself as a wrecking ball and yeah, when I a wrecking ball. yeah and when yeah. I see you you know in those videos you know smashing your opponents you know with your body it's just like yeah that's cool because <laughs> you rarely if ever see that in women you know yeah. so it's just like so to see you doing that you know even persevering through um even with your half blindness it's just amazing and it's an inspiration plus I thank really you. love your eye patches too oh like, thank you they're so cute like I love them it's, you just look like an amazing pretty pirate it's amazing <laughs> um <laughs> thank you I mean you know what we gonna add style with it, you know. We always gotta add style with what we do. That's just us. Like, right? I'm going. I'm not gonna sit here and just feel, oh, what was me? I'm not gonna feel sorry for myself. Oh no. See, the first thing you gonna notice is the eye patch. I guarantee you. Yes. That's the first thing you gonna notice. And uh, you know, the fact that you know I, I get to wear this, it makes me stand out so much, and I love it. I, I really do. And I tell people, you know, the only thing that's fake about me is my glass eye. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so and and it's great that you know people always tell me you know it's, um, one of my wrestling friends Theo he told me he said it's not about what you see it's about what you don't see when you look at the world you know coming out you see curvy girl big booty you eye patch and that eye patch gets you because it's like oh wow that's that's different but you know once you see what I'm about once you see me throw these buns of steel once you see that whiplash from my opponent you'll get like, oh, wow, she really, truly is the weapon of ass destruction. <laughs> right. All right. So um, do you still find time to practice your craft, you know, even in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the independent scene? Because I know... Always. I have to. I, I yes. stay training. This, uh, one of my, this is something one of my trainers told me and something that I will always take to the heart. You can't be the best if you're just learning a specific training from one person. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to be the best, you got to venture out. You got to train here. You got to train there. You got to train with this person. And that way you can take things. You can take tips and advice and from everybody and put it in into what, you know, what makes what makes it best for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I want to train with as many people as possible. I want to travel to all the different schools. Um, yeah, because I can't, like, I'm the whoa. I'm making history. So, in order for me to make history, in order for me to set the bar high as hell, in order for me to set the standard for people like me, you know, I can't just learn from one person. I gotta learn from everybody. I'm never too, I'm never too proud to learn. Never. I'm always humble. Um, if there's, you know, I ask for advice, um, and you know, I just want to make myself better. Okay, so have you trained all over the country? 
I'm trying to. I'm definitely trying to. Uh, I, I just this past uh, weekend, I trained. Uh, I trained up in uh, Texas with Thunder Rosa and Holiday at the Dog Pound. So like that was that was great. That was so much fun. Um, and despite all the storms and all the bad weather, you know, we we went in like like <laughs> like I always do because you have to, you have to, and not just for yourself but for the other students that are there too, so they can see how it's done. Right. And shout out to Thunder Rosa because she's actually been on my show before and she was absolutely amazing. Um, And just everything that she's doing, not only in her own career, but also um, for the career of others with Mission Pro Wrestling is just absolutely amazing. And persevering through all the storms because Lord, the South and our weather God. (laughs) It was bad. It was bad. Part of it. All right. So how has the culture of independent wrestling, you know, treated you, you know, through your evolution as a star? Well, evolution as a star. I don't think I'm a star yet. I'm trying. Um, well, uh, it definitely has its up and downs. Definitely. Like, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to, you know, crap on people or, you know, try to get sympathy or try to feel sorry for myself. I think that everything I've ever experienced, everything I've ever gone through, uh, basically mold me into the person that I am now. Um, I feel that I'm evolving, but I feel that the world is my final evolutionary stage. This is who I'm meant to be. It feels right. It feels, it feels like it's my own. And that's what I want to bring into the wrestling world. Wherever I go, I want to be brought in simply as the world. It's not like, oh, we just want another talent. No, I'm not trying to be something that they need. I want to be something that they've never seen before. So do you also have a fan base as well? Like, are you building a strong fan base? Oh, so, I mean, I have, apparently I have fans in France. I have fans in uh, all over the world. And it's shocking because, you know, I I still feel like I have so much more work, work to do. And I know I do because I never want to stop you know, stop making changes for myself. I never want to stop building myself up. I always want to continue building, uh, trying to go on to the next step of what more can I do? Uh, how can I get the world to know who the world is? So the fact that I have people all around the country looking at me, it's, it's, it's great. And it's humbling at the same time because it only makes me want to be better. You know, I kind of noticed a little bit that you that you have a great following because when I posted that I was going to have you on my show earlier on Twitter and Instagram, it was so many good, so many good things that people either said or retweeted. And I was just like, yay, <laughs> this is so great. Glad. Oh, wow. Yeah, like me too. I was just so glad. Um, so as you know, there's been this pandemic, this panorama, this Panasonic that's been affecting everyone so how has it affected you know your career um and how have you been able to sort of pivot through that well it definitely put a lot of things on hold for me um great opportunities but I just look at it as okay hey it just wasn't my time you know I can't sit here and dwell on things it didn't happen it didn't happen but you know what that it also gave me time to really ask myself is if this was what I really truly wanted to do 
And, you know, with all the surgeries that I've had, with all the obstacles that I've gone through, um, this pandemic, it really, really, really let me see that I was on the right path. Like, I know a lot of people think that, oh, hey, this this was probably one of the worst things that ever happened to us. Yes, it has. But in my opinion, I feel like it's also one of the best things that happened. It, 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 it gave the world a reset button. And it gave me time to think, you know, okay, if you want out, well, here's your chance to be out. Here's your chance to fade away. Here's your chance to go do whatever it is, what you want. But if you want to stick to this, then you have to come at it full ass pun intended like you gotta go all in if this is something that you truly want to do and it is so it just honestly I just train I work out more and you know I just want to make myself better and you know wrestling recently getting back in the ring um I 100% have no doubt in my mind that this is where I'm meant to be that's good because a lot of people you know have been struggling you know finding their footing and sort of taking this time to sort of question you know are they in the right place in their life like am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing here on this earth and it's making so many people you know come have like a come to Jesus moment with themselves Um, but it's good to hear that you've been able to sort of pivot you know and so many of my guests you know since I've started the show have talked about how they've been able to sort of pivot through this hard and sort of difficult time um so I'm glad that you're also one of them as well so kudos to you with that um so you did kind of allude to this earlier in the interview but do you have um I know I wanted to ask you if you believed it was harder for women of color or specifically black women um to pursue wrestling and why do you think that is and how definitely and how can it be helped you know and and how can it you know get better honestly yes um um like I said, I, even though times are changing, I, I'm grateful that times are changing. Yeah, we just had a, a two black women main event WrestleMania. I, I'm grateful to be a part of that. Uh, and the thing, but the thing is with me is like, okay, what's next? Okay, instead of having our, our own, you know, main event, which is great, how come we can't just be a part of the first ever women's main event? Why is it that we always have to have our our thing? And don't get me wrong, having our thing is great, but. You know, it shouldn't just be our thing. We should be included in everything. Like there are some um, there are promotions here that you know in the south that barely uses black women. You know, that's sad to say because I, like I said, it, it's it's definitely progression, but it's slow ass progress. And you know, as much as I'll take you know slow progress over no progress at all, but yeah, I think definitely we need more not just black female wrestlers but black female announcers black female commentators black female bookers black female refs like we need it all because if we don't hype ourselves up no one will they just or at least it'd be harder because you know we're all trying to claw and we're all trying to get to where we're supposed to be or where we want to be and yet this business is just telling us okay well you're going to be the last we're going to get everybody else but you're going to be last and it's like no this business is big enough for everybody and we need to show that hey just because you know you're a black female wrestler you don't have to act all hood and ghetto you don't have to talk about your hair if that's what you want to do that's fine but you don't have to be the stereotype you know people look at me and it's like wow you know yeah of course I know you're going to stare at my behind but you know what else you're going to do 
you know what else you're gonna do? You also talk about it when I knock somebody the hell out. <laughs> so yeah, okay. You wanna say how big my butt is, but you know what these monsters still can do? These monsters still can withstand the hit of a steel chair. So yeah, so trust me, definitely we need more, more black women in every aspect of, of wrestling. Not just in wrestling, but in this business. I feel like the more that we show that, hey, we're not all the same, or hey, we don't have this one game, or hey, we don't need to be the token black girl, I think that we can definitely, definitely, definitely help future generations. You know, all of that is really good that you said that because I was just talking on my last episode about how I feel that there should be more women um, as a whole, but also definitely black women um, behind the scenes outside of also just being announcers, being commentators and being, you know, writers of stories and stuff like that. Because sometimes I find that in wrestling with most of the writers sometimes and most of the people behind the scenes being men is that they sort of show women from only one perspective or from the male gaze as opposed to from the female gaze. And I feel like all around that needs to happen. There, there needs to be, you know, a shift of women being in these positions so there can be more diversity in how women are perceived, um, not only in the independence, but definitely in the mainstream as well. And then you mentioned... Um, the main event of WrestleMania, which was Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. I loved it very much and I was very proud of those girls. However, I loved how you mentioned that you wish that they were just in the main event, the very first female main event. I felt that way too, because a part of me felt that Sasha and also Becky and Charlotte should have been the main event of the WrestleMania in Texas. Um, because the main event that they did have, which was Triple H and Roman Reigns, wasn't didn't wasn't up to par with that match at all, in my opinion. And if they were going to have a main event, you know, then that one should have been it. And if they were going to have the first women's main event, you know, they it really could have had you know more diversity in it as opposed to just you know Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda. As much as I love those three, you know, deep in my heart you know there is a there is a little bit of a slow progress when it comes to black women in those you know positions and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's something I've sort of been holding back in my mind but I don't really talk that much about but I never really like said it out loud and I'm glad that you brought that up yeah because it's like you know people they it makes them uncomfortable to talk about i'm like good it, it should make you uncomfortable because you know it's the truth and the truth is uncomfortable like somebody um like i posted a clip on my social media after the main event and i was in uh you know someone co- commented they was like oh it's, it's not about color you know it's about the fact that the wwe these were the only two girls that could live up to that i'm like no no, no, no it's not. Right. There's plenty of, of black women back in the day. You telling me Jazz couldn't pull that off? You telling right. me Jazz cannot pull up pull, pull off a, a main event WrestleMania? You gonna sit there? No. Oh, are you kidding me? You telling me Awesome Kong? You, you really gonna sit there and tell me Naomi couldn't couldn't have done that? Like no, no. And then you you know they may not like they may not like to hear it, but yeah, a lot. I truly feel that wrestling has missed out on a lot of those Sasha Bank, uh, Bianca Belair main events simply because they didn't believe in black women. Right. You know, and it's like, you can't, you can't, you know, we can wear our hair any, any way that we want, but you know, we're black. We will always have our melanin. That will always show. And I feel that, you know, 
black women, you can't make them look anything other than them being black. You know, we, we, we don't have, you know, we don't have blue eyes. I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying, but it's like, it's, you cannot not make a black woman not look black. And I feel that, you know, if, if you, if you are solely based on trying to make a person or a woman not look a specific way because you don't have faith in her or you don't feel that she can pull off uh, or, or if you simply just don't know how to book her simply based on the color of her skin, then that kind of says a lot about you as not just as a person, but as a booker. Because, you know, equal opportunity it's exactly what it means, equal opportunity. It doesn't mean, oh, hey, let's give this person this opportunity because, you know, she doesn't look black or, you know, equal equal opportunity is giving everybody the equal opportunity. It's for the black girls, for the white girls, for the Mexican girls, for the trans girls, it's for everybody. Right. And I feel that, you know, wrestling missed out a lot of that, of those type matches simply because, you know, they... They didn't either want to push a black woman or they they don't they didn't have faith in black women. But either way, you know, it's like we've always shown that we can bring it. We've always shown that. Um, and it's just now, like I said, I'll take slow progress over no progress at all, but you know. I, I want all of it. I want everything. I want I want black women to really, really you know, leave their mark in this wrestling business. No more as talent enhancers, no more as jobbers, no more as no more as making this girl look good just because she's cute. Like, no, if you are the best, then your color, this color of your skin shouldn't matter. Right. And even, yeah, and even if the color of your skin doesn't matter, if you see the color of my skin, that shouldn't, that shouldn't make it seem like oh well she did this because she's black no like no well let like see my color and see my heritage and respect my heritage but just know that that's a motivation for me to be who I am so I really appreciate you you know speaking more about that more about your experience as a black woman in that so um how it how important is it to also um represent for full-figured women in wrestling oh you know we got we gotta we got I have to I have to do it for the big girls Mm -hmm. you know and and it's crazy because I wasn't always like this I always felt that you know back then when I started out I was I, I felt that if I lost a few pounds or if I looked more like this girl or if I was smaller, then, you know, I, I would get booked more. And, you know, that that would be what they want of me. But it's it's not about trying to be what it is that they want you to be. It's what right. works for you. It's And I told myself, you know, no more. I, I'm not a small girl and I will never be a small girl and I love that and that's no shade to the small small girls but you know it's it's about loving and accepting yourself for who you are and growing up you know I I used to watch Rikishi of course I I love Rikishi and I, I you know I would see how he would use his body as a woman I'm like why can't I do that 
you know, when I started in wrestling, I was so insecure about my my rear end. Like I would always try to cover it up in my match, and the fans would see that and they would point that out, and it would make you feel even more nervous. Until somebody told me they was like, you know what? Use that. Mm-hmm. Use them bonds of steel. You use that ass. Not not knock your opponent out. You know, it's it's there. Might as well. They're gonna talk about it anyway. They might as well give them something to talk about. So I told myself, you know, as long as I am healthy and as long as I, I, I'm at peace with myself, you know, I, I love my body. And, 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 it, and it took me a minute to get to where I am. But now, like, that's all I, I want to push out until anybody that, you know, that's insecure about how they look or feel that they have to look a certain way. No, the hell you do not. You <laughs> be you. Because you know why? There is only one of you. I'm pretty sure there are millions of muscle jack dudes or, you know, small girls, but there's only one of you. And if you got a full figure body, use that. That your body can be your most dangerous weapon. And being the world, like that's something I really want to push, especially for, especially for black women. Because you know, you know, look, we've always People looked at us as being the the vixen, the sexual, the you know, the one that dances in the music videos. It's all about twerking. It's like, nah, nah, nah. You may you may look at this behind, but this behind will knock people out, and it has. So, and I just want to show and push that that your body can be your most dangerous weapon. Right. And I love all of that. Like all of that makes me feel good because I'm sort of, you know, on that journey of trying to embrace my body as it is now, because I used to not be as thick as I am. You can't tell now, but I'm not, you know, I was a little bit smaller in high school, but then it's like I went to college and then stress happened and then eating happened. And then I just basically get started gaining weight. And it's just now I'm sort of, you know, on this journey of of basically accepting my body for what it is and for how it is and knowing that it's still beautiful, you know, even though, you know, sometimes at times you sort of beat yourself up for not looking how you used to look. But it's just like now I'm trying to embrace the fact that I'm still, you know, very much beautiful, even though even though I have changed. So I love that about you. That makes me feel so glad that you do stuff like that. It reminds me of it reminds me of Monique in the 2000s. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. Like, that was that was amazing. That was a cool era. Um, So who has been some of your favorite opponents and who are some opponents that you would love to face in the future? Okay, now as far as me facing, uh, honestly, anybody, like anybody, anybody. I'll take on men, women. It, it doesn't matter. Anybody can get these buns of steel. Like you think you can go toe to toe with the wall? Okay, fine. Show me what you got. Just don't get mad at me when you get a concussion, because that's what I do. That's what something. That's something that is guaranteed. You will see bright lights. Um, as far as my favorite opponents, honestly, oh, gosh. gosh, there's so many. There's so many. I love, um, honestly, going toe-to-toe with Genocide has been some of my favorite matches uh, to date. Uh, it's always great to go against someone that's so much more bigger than you. She's such a, a, a challenge. You know, you got to get the, the monster down. Uh, you got to make sure that this woman does not wipe you out because... You know, it's in the name, genocide. And then you got genocide coming your way, 
that's coming to wipe you out. So going toe to toe with her, like it's it's just great. I love, you know, wrestling her. She's such a challenge, and she always brings it. And 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 I always have to be on my on, on my p's and q's with her. Um, God, uh, my match against uh, honestly, I gotta say Alejandra Lyon. Even though she didn't get the W, that girl is gonna be great. And you know, she she definitely has all the makings to be a star. And I love my Mission Pro match with her. She really, really brought it. It's just, you know, it just wasn't enough to take down the world. But yeah, I, I love love wrestling with her and I would love to have an, another match with her again. Um, I really wanted to have a match. Um, I really want to have a match. Um, hopefully if she ever returns back to wrestling uh, with Faye Jackson I would love to have that one-on-one match with her something that's never happened before and yeah I'm just sad that it's, it's, it's never happened but it's hopefully something to look forward to if she, if she returns I hope she does because I, I don't think anybody can stay away from wrestling too long yeah that's kind of the thing wrestling's kind of like a like a drug that way it's just like n- not like not promote, not promoting drugs or anything, but it's just like it's kind of like a drug. It's like one minute you say you stop, and then the next minute it hooks you right back in. You know, you're like, I retired, and you may be gone for like maybe a, a year or two, or three maybe at the most. Yeah. Then you wind up popping right back up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So, do you have any like aspirations to um, become a wrestler in the mainstream, like a with WWE or AEW or Impact? Oh. Dude. Definitely. You know, whatever company wants to make history by having a first half blonde female wrestler, they know where to call me. They know where to hit me up. Um, and me personally, I um I want the world to be a worldwide name. I want it to be as big as The Rock, you know? And I know that's high aspirations, but heck, if I don't set it for myself, who will? Yeah, right. and heck, I, I even want to be bigger than that. So yeah, I, I want the world to be a worldwide global phenomenon. I want to have stadiums filled with fans chanting and screaming, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, that is what I want. I want to leave my mark in this wrestling business like anybody has ever had, uh, ever had before or ever will. Like, that's really what my goal is and to inspire more people like me. Like, if you're visually impaired or... Uh, if if you if you're blind or half blind, um, just never give up on your dream. Or if there's anything like if you if you lost a limb, if you lost an arm, to just never give up on your dream because you know this this is your life. Can't nobody tell you how to live it. Uh, you know I've been told no countless countless times, but you know I, I I pushed myself even even harder because I know that this was something that I was meant to do and nobody can tell me. And I told myself there is only two ways um, I won't succeed. The first one is if I were to go completely blind. That's the only way I, I want to succeed in wrestling, if I were to go completely blind. The other way is if I stop. And I know I'm not going to stop. So, like, I, I'm a, a thousand percent sure that I will succeed in everything I put my mind to. And I know that sounds so cliche, but... It's not even it's not even about you know if now it's about when and until that happens I'll sit and I and I would cheer my friends on I'll cheer uh, other wrestlers on but yeah 
I'm just, I'm sitting here. I'm just waiting patiently. You know what they say? They save the best for last. So I'll sit and wait. All right. So um, who are your top five? This is more of a fun question. Um, who are your top five wrestlers, male, female, or non-binary? Now? Um, now or in the past, you know, or a mixture of all of it, you know, just, you know. Um, it's Stone Cold, uh, The Rock, uh, Booker T, uh, Jazz, and Rikishi. Okay. That's pretty solid. So how excited for you are, um, how excited are you for next weekend? We have the Belladonna Division events, Genesis coming up. So how pumped are you? I know I'm pumped for it because I'm working it, you know, as a commentator for the very first time. But how pumped are you? Uh, well, I'm kind of excited and kind of upset about it because I feel that I should should have been the Belladonna Division champ a long time ago. But now they want to have this tournament and that's fine. Okay, it, it'll just give me more opponents to knock down. It'll give me more faces to misshape. It'll give me more bones to break. So that's on that's on the Belladonna division because I could I should have easily been made champion by now. But if they want to go ahead and have this tournament, I'll play along. I'll happily play along. And even though they've yet to release my opponent, which is all fine and dandy. Um, yeah, whoever whoever chooses to get in the ring with the world. Uh, just don't take this ass woman personal. Like I said, it's, it's what I do best. So yeah, do not take this bonds and steel beat down to heart. Well, we definitely cannot wait to see that beat down and whoever is going to be taking it next Saturday <laughs> um, at the Gaston Mall. Please get your tickets, guys. Um, it's going to be cool. So um, what does the future hold for the world? Everything. Everything and anything. That's probably the shortest answer I've gotten to that question, but I love it though. <laughs> it was very <laughs> concise. Well, thank you, ma'am, for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. So if you um want to take this time to put yourself over and tell people where you can where they can find you and follow you. you yes, I'm very active on social media, uh, especially Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to get into TikTok more, but it's mostly just me posting uh, dog videos of all the dogs that I've acquired. But yes, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm also on Instagram and I'm on Facebook like page. Uh, just type in the search bar of the world and you'll see me. Um, and if you also want to get some merch, you can get this on pro. You can get this on fully gimmick, and I also have the face mask. Uh, it's on luchawear.art. If you want to get face masks and t-shirts, because we all gotta wear face masks. I'm also on prowrestlingtees.com/slash/thewold, and I'm also on YouTube too. If you want to look up some of my matches, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a sight to see uh, May 15th. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And also as a bonus nugget, girl, did you really do your own theme song? I did. I did. That's fine. I had to. I had to. It's like, I I wanted my own theme song, but it's hard trying to explain the weapon of ass destruction and not have it come off sexually. You know, I'm, I'm a female, I got a big ass. So try to tell somebody, hey, I want this to be about the brutality, not the sexuality. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard to do that. So I told myself, you know what? 
how can they understand what the world is if I don't understand what the world is? So the only way for me to do that is to show them who the world is in my own words. And that's what I had to do. Well, I find that that's really cool. You're kind of in the same vein as, you know, Shawn Michaels and a lot of different people, you know, have been when they perform their own theme songs like the Usos and Naomi and them. So that's a cool thing that you did your own song. So I actually listened to a couple of seconds of it. I was like, ah, this is fire. (laughs) Yeah. But thank you again for being on my show. Um, And I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. And yes, you are a star because I said so. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having me so much. Like really, this was so much fun. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so since I had the amazing Casey Dillon on my show, and I want to thank her for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, I want to take this time to actually put over this event a whole lot more, and I'm going to be doing it within the coming weeks leading up to the event. So the Belladonna Division is one of the first all-female women's promotions in the South, and I'm so proud that it's taking place in my home state of Alabama, Whoop, whoop, sweet home, Alabama. Roll, tie, roll. Um, I'm not a Crimson Tide fan. I just say that because it's just in my bones. Either way, um, <laughs> I'm just really excited that this is taking place in Alabama. So um, the event Genesis is taking place on Saturday, May the 15th, um, 2021 at the Gadsden Mall in Gadsden, Alabama. And if you need the address, here it is. It's one is 1001 Rainbow Drive, um, Gadsden, Alabama, 35901. Um, the general admission for tickets is $15 and ringside seats are $20 and the doors open at 6 PM. But before the doors open for the Genesis event itself, um, legendary wrestler and all around future hall of famer jazz is going to be having a wrestling seminar that you can sign up for, for only $50. And that's going to take place, um, at the gas mall from 3 PM to 5 30 PM. So if you want to take that opportunity to learn from one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time please do so go and get this class you know and plus she's also booked you know to wrestle with us you know on that show too so please take that opportunity to do that as she goes on her retirement tour um and then after that of course you have the genesis event and it's going to feature some of the greatest you know um talent that we have you know in women's wrestling today um some of these women have you know various backgrounds and various different um fighting styles and they have fought all over the world and competed in various promotions some of them even in wwe a couple of times and some of them um on impact and other places as well so first we have um nwa legend joyce grabble is going to be there harley fairfax valentina loca um a uk star by the name of eden von england jocelyn navarro who's a jamaican superstar um ariella Ariella Nix, Nina Monet, Gabby Ortiz, um, BB Ryan, Trixie, Shalance Royal, 
um, Heather Monroe, Rachel Ray Lynn, Brittany Blake, and the weapon of all destruction, the WOAD, is going to be there. And also, I'm going to be making my um, official debut as a commentator, and I'm going to be commentating alongside Brittany Hufflin. She is amazing, and we're going to try to, you know, basically, well, not try, I'm going to try <laughs> um, to keep up with her as much as I possibly can, um, because this is going to be my first time, so I'm really excited excited you know to be a color commentator for this event um women's wrestling has always been something I've been passionate about so the idea that something like this you know is happening in my home state and I get to be a part of it you know just really moves me you know and it'll always you know touch me to no end and hopefully you know this can be the start of something new in my life um, no high school musical though. So, <laughs> so we're going to tear it down and we're going to tear it up at Genesis, which is basically, you know, the beginning of things. You know, if you're biblically, if you know anything, you know, about, you know, biblical knowledge, Genesis is translated to the beginning. And hopefully this can be the beginning of something great that can continue to happen in the state of Alabama, you know, for women's wrestling. So I'm really excited this is happening again. This Genesis is taking place Saturday, May the 15th. 2021 with the doors opening at 6 p.m. and you can buy your tickets at um this link that can that can be found on the Instagram page for the Belladonna Division at Belladonna Division um and on their Facebook page which is the Belladonna Division and here's the link it's um https the Belladonna Division dot square dot site um, but you can find the link on their social media platforms. Please follow them on Instagram and on Facebook. And of course, I'm going to be posting about it on my social media handles as well. So with that in mind, please support women's wrestling. Um, even the wrestling that you may or may not know about, please support it. The wrestling that's going on in your hometown, please support it. And just, you know, raise your voices for women's wrestling because there is a revolution happening and, it's only going to get greater from here. So please support us and please come out and support women's wrestling here in Alabama. Right, so thank you for listening to um, both of my episodes that I put out this weekend featuring two amazing talents that's going to be on the Belladonna Division show, Genesis, um, next weekend. And I have the pleasure of calling them as a first-time commentator, so I'm really excited to talk about these girls and put them over along with alongside my partner, Brittany Nicole. So if you have a mind to, please support the show. Um I'm definitely looking forward to this opportunity. I'm really nervous, but I really hope that I can be the best color commentator I can be at this point and hopefully continue to have jobs like this in the future because you just never know. Maybe one day I'll be, you know, you'll catch me on WWE or Impact Television as a girl commentator. Like, who knows? So thank you for listening to these episodes. And I and like I say, all and like as I say, you can follow me on Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and on Twitter at Hardy Wrestle Pod. And you can listen to the show anywhere you get your podcast. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, my YouTube channel, Hardy Wrestling Podcast, and just anywhere else you can get them. So with that in mind, I thank you so much for listening to the show. And I thank you for being supportive of the show continuously. Um, 
And I just hope to just continue to give you the best that I can give because I've got a lot of cool surprises coming up um, within the next couple of weeks. So with that in mind, I hope you're staying safe and being your best self. And until next time, this is the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl, Stephanie Hardy. Bye, y'all. Yeah, that's a note. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.